Yeah, and when the next one comes out, like I said, it'll be uh, uh, February 18th again. I'll send you more if you guys want them. New stories, uh, an extension of the old story, which I didn't want to do at all. Pretty dark territory to go into. And I found that even listening to it again, it's very unsettling. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I hope this is the reaction I'm getting uh, from my listeners as well. And I, I sent it out to a few people that really just wrote to me and said how much they enjoyed it. I'm like, well, you're going to get a little treat then, or I guess, if that's what you want to call it. I sent it to them, and they go, oh, my God, I love it even more. I'm like, I have got to stop doing this. This is, I'm, I'm getting into some very dark people here. Yeah. And somebody finds this one more entertaining. And so I kind of went to some really <laughs> disgusting places with this one. Yeah. And they like it more. Like, yikes. That's hard to say. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas, and with me as always, Broke Writer Dave. How are we doing, everybody? And you are joining us on a conversation already in progress with our guest, <laughs> Mr. William Perry. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. I, it's great to have you back here. I was just telling Dave that um, I still get very nervous when we talk about uh, talk with old Mr. Perry. He, To me, he's like our lifeline to Hollywood. He, this man's been on actual sets. Yeah. <laughs> I got to be honest, when you reach back out, I was like, Oh, really? He wants to yeah. come back. Okay. Phew. <laughs> you know, nice. uh, I just, it's funny. I, I, I'm now that I'm kind of doing this sort of thing and doing some of the conventions and things, yeah. I can sort of be proud of my past again, instead of looking at it as something I didn't want anybody to know about. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when I got out of the movie industry and kind of got into you know, the private sector or the real world, uh, I didn't want anybody to know about that because it would be, they'd be like, Hey, whoa, 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 wait. I just looked you up on IMDb. And it's like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> now everybody's going to come by and, you know, they're going to treat me different or they're going to, and not in a good way. Or it makes me look like, uh, but act like how I'm acting. Like, oh, Mr. Hollywood over here. Well, it, it's, it's yeah. more of like, uh, kind of, a uh, they want to talk about that stuff. And to me, it always made me feel like kind of a, a washed up, kind of has been kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or they wanted to, to yeah. they didn't give me credibility for what I do now, for what I know now, and the kind of work that I do now. And I didn't want to kind of lose any chance at credibility that I had. Mm -hmm. But now that I've been doing it, I can sort of be proud again. And I can say, yeah, you know, that mm -hmm. was fun. And that was good yeah. stuff. And there are people who are, uh, you know, still uh, big fans of those films. And so I can hold that mm -hmm. chin up high. Act proud yeah. again, you know, not be so ashamed of yeah. my checkered past. And the fact that you, you have, have a, a second... movie. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry about being proud of like your past. Do you have a movie that you're like most proud of? Or, like one that you kind of like least proud of? Um, I would say, I, and it's not because they're necessarily the best films I did, but probably yeah. the best work I did. Um, was uh, uh, what's the name of that silly movie? Uh, License to Drive. Mm -hmm. Some good stuff in there. Yeah. And uh, probably least would be a film called Breaking uh, Breaking All the Rules or Breaking the Rules. Oh, um, yeah. That, I, yeah I know that. And that's yeah. the clothes dryer incident. Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mentioned that the last, last time. time. Yeah. 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 Not real. I mean, 
you know, it, it looked like a bunch of clothes left in a clothes dryer. You wouldn't know I was even in there. And so I kind of look at that and go, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that one, you, I don't even that know one you don't mind movie. if they didn't ID in DB. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I don't even know that they'd know it was me in there, but it's kind of one of, I don't even know if it's a good movie. It went straight mm -hmm. to video. So I have to assume it wasn't you know, 10 commandments. It was probably, you know, but what I was going to say, uh, before Dave asked that was, uh, even if you're ashamed of your, uh, of your acting past, now that you're releasing your sequel to your book, now you can look back and be just be like, you know what? Author too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think I said last time, this was not a, you know, life goal of mine to, to publish a book at any point, kind of a happenstance, just, I don't know, blind luck, I guess, or something. Mm -hmm. And so when my publisher asked me, can you, can you do a sequel? I said, no, I mean, I tied off all the ends on that. Mm -hmm. There's really no place else yeah. to go. And he goes, really? And I said, really? Absolutely. And uh, one of my best friends turned to me and said, well, what if, and he came out with the scenario. I was like, son of a bitch, that's good. Yeah, uh, that's all right, the, fine. The key to, yeah. any, to any story, you just have to say, what if? Yeah, then... yeah. But, you know, it has to be a good what if. Um, yeah. As I was saying just before we came on, the, to me, a good sequel. Um, I look at uh, the, the epiphany, the, 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 the best sequel out there in any film I've ever seen is Aliens. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, just because uh, the first film was so good that I mean, topping that was impossible. You're never gonna, yeah. never gonna be better. And then you not, see no. Aliens, and you're like, damn yeah. it, that's really. That's why you really get a guy good. like James Cameron on the job. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, and Sigourney Weaver just getting better and better, and mm -hmm. a great yeah. cast. And and the the key to that being better was that everything that was good about it was amplified. Right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, more characters, more peril, great performances, more monsters. And not just like two, like a crap load, you know, more than you could ever imagine. And everything that was good about the first film was as good or better in the second one. And so as I approached the book to do the sequel, I had this, this good idea uh, that was uh, sort of given to me. And then I thought, okay, what was good about, what do people like about the last book? What do I like about the last book? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what could I do to amplify that? What could I do to make it more intense? more of a you know nail biter get you wondering where it's going to go what's next and uh you know that was really a challenge i had to go again to some dark places i wasn't really happy to go to uh, if you guys know the first book there's yeah. a lot of suffering among people i care about yeah and so uh one of the funnier stories is there's a woman i met on uh instagram we've all we've only ever talked on instagram she's yeah. in australia Right. And uh, yeah. I asked her what she thought of it. And she said, I was a little disappointed. And I said, really? In what way? Yeah. She goes, I'm not in it. <laughs> thought, That's interesting. And so I took a look at one of the characters who was a little bit nondescript, really. And I yeah. thought, no, she's Michelle now. Mm. So <laughs> she, And so she has an Australian accent now. And there's some other things about her that, uh, that kind of came into it. And it was really a good thing because it, it took a character that might have been a little um, uninteresting or just not very well yeah. fleshed out and became yeah. a very well fleshed out character. Yeah. And when she read it, she goes, oh, my God, what you did. <laughs> yeah. That's that for it. You know, if you make this a trilogy, I mean. Feel free to throw yeah, us yeah, yeah, you are <laughs> next on say, my list. Oh man, that was going to be my uh, only issue with the uh, with the first book that you put out yeah, was that there wasn't a uh, 
Why didn't you tell us rope writer Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Dave in all of this? There was a lack of a podcast that maybe the character could have been listening to. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it was funny because I realized I hadn't sent it to the publisher yet. So really it was up to me, you know, whether I wanted to change anything. And uh yeah, so I just kind of get to throw throw something in at the end there. And, you know, of course she was flattered by it, Mm -hmm. but it really did add something to it. And uh yeah, just kind of one of those kind of fun things. I never aspired to do, but when it came right down to it, it's like, <laughs> what, it doesn't hurt anything. In fact, it made it better. Good, mm-hmm. good deal. Looks out. So is it just going to continue playing on like that uh, fear of being trapped into your like own body? Like yeah. the first one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give away anything, um, but yeah. yeah. And I hope, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in the last time we talked about the book, I didn't want to have a, a Scooby-Doo sort of ending where, oh, it was old McGregor, you know, we should have known. Of course you should have yeah. known. It's always Mr. McGregor and he's yeah. trying always to, him. wants yeah. to sell the farm or yeah. the bowling alley or whatever the hell it was. And so I was really conscious of that again, because I read enough and I watch enough that uh, I kind of get a chance to see where things are going. And if I can figure it out, I'm pissed. Yeah. You lazy, you know, that's <laughs> just lazy writing. No, you got to do something. And so actually the uh, the end of this book was what really was the idea that I was given. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to take it there without giving you a, a glimpse of how it gets there. You know, it, uh, I wanted to really kind of keep you guessing and not in a you know, kind of contrived way. Um, I really wanted the ending to be a little bit shocking, a little bit sad. Uh, in the same way that the first book kind of had kind of a very sad element to it. Uh, this one has that, I believe, as well. And uh, a bit of a psychological twist here and there to kind of throw some curves your way. And uh, I was really nervous about uh, sending it out because the first idea came to me wholly incomplete. I didn't have to yeah. hardly imagine much of anything. It was very, very drawn out and in, in, in complete. This one, I just had a good premise. And so I was okay. really worried that I stunk it up. I was really worried that my idea wasn't good enough and that I really just got lucky one time and I should have just bailed while I had a chance. And, but it, uh, as I sent it out to, I probably sent it out to four or five people that were fans of the, the first book. And they were really, really positive about it. And I said, please don't be nice. I mean, really, I can take it. You know, um, you're yeah. not telling me I have an ugly kid. You're saying... <laughs> That story could have been better. Needs improvement. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and and I didn't get any notes at all. And uh, when I sent it to the publisher, he said, um, I'm going to set a date for publication. He said, you haven't even read it yet. He goes, I like the first one well enough. I can't believe you'd be, you know, uh, just, just trying to pump one out for me. I mean, is it good? And I said, yeah, I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, how, do you, I don't, I mean, how do you say that without sounding like you're full of yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just but, let your uh, ego inflate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, let's just yeah let the ego take over. I know I'm a genius. I know. Yes, that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that word, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's you know I really kind of had to try to be as uh, objective as I could, but it's hard to do that. It's like when I, I look at my daughter, and, and my daughter's very pretty, and I don't. It's not just me that says that. And I had said something about how she's always been pretty, and my wife looked at me. <laughs> I said, no, I, I've been, you know, I'm a photographer. I take a lot of yeah. pictures. And she goes, go back, look around age nine. 
And I went back and damned it, that kid didn't have some butt teeth. Uh, you know, but at the time, I didn't see him, you know, because yeah. she's my daughter and she's beautiful. Because yeah. I love uh, you. So, yeah. 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 So uh, I kind of was looking back at, you know, at the story and saying, does this got buck teeth? You know, does this have uh, flaws I'm not willing to look at? And I recognized I really wasn't a good judge because I like the ideas or I wouldn't have written them. Right. And uh, yeah. so when I did get some positive reviews and uh, some people who didn't, who really had said some nice things and what, and said they liked it more, which was really a surprise to me and a, and a welcome surprise, obviously. But it was like, really better? Hmm. Okay. I'll take it. You know, I, I, nobody said that they liked it any less or that they didn't think it held up. And that was my major thing was if this doesn't hold up, you tell me, mm -hmm. you know, don't worry about how, I mean, I'd rather not do it than feel like I, you know, had a little ego piece go out you know so yeah very uh, very pleased with the way it came out now that you've written two do you find yourself being more critical of your writing or of your acting hmm. portfolio that's a great question um i think i'm more critical of the book because the book is entirely mine hmm. um there's no i can't blame a director i can't blame a budget crappy special effects um, you don't understand you know, the kids were being loud in the other room and it was hard to yeah. concentrate. <laughs> yeah. So with this one, um, I really and one of the things I discovered was as I sat there, I got, you know, a bit of writer's block, as most folks do. And I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, you are best when you are absolutely unprepared. You uh, your best uh, work is improvisational. That's and I nightmare. thought about that. And I said, you know what? <laughs> Stop. Stop thinking. Start writing. Just write, write yeah. as fast as you can. Go fix it later if it's any good. And if it's not any good, well, you were no worse off than you were when you started. Mm -hmm. But I found that the, the places I go when I don't allow myself to overthink it, and I'm a massive overthinker, Oof, yeah. terrible. Um, and it's, you know, it really is a, a, a I don't know, it's, it's painfully uh, bad for me. <laughs> I, and when I don't think about it, and this has happened with photography, this has happened with acting, this has happened with auditioning, and now I think it's really proven true with writing. That like when I read back what I wrote, I was like, "Oh, whoa! Where did that come from? That's really good. Yeah, that's a great idea." And and I don't know. And I think if I had tried to make bullet points and say, "Here's A, yeah. here's B, C, D, etc.," I'll get to Z. I think I would have been a little more in my head, and I think I would have been less surprising mm -hmm. um, because. You know, improv is improv. It's like, hey, man, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, inspiration. <laughs> I don't know where this story's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's got to be exciting, guys, though, as an author. Just like, I don't even yeah. know where it's going to go. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, I told you uh, last time, I believe I read audiobooks. And mm. uh, when I read audiobooks, I don't read the book first. I just read it on the fly because mm -hmm. I want to be as surprised as the listener. Right. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think that sense of discovery as things you know, go nuts is good. You know, I mean, everybody wants that, especially if you're reading horror or, um, you know, suspense or mysteries or whatever, you know, the surprises need to be surprises. And if I've already read it or I'm too familiar with it, that's not going to come across in my reading. It's going to come across as, well, of course, I knew that was coming. And I don't want that, that vibe, you know, in the, in the tonality of how I read it. And so uh, when I was, you know, typing away, just, and I, it was you know, like an acting or a, a yeah. writing exercise where it's like, just 
type as fast as you can type, fix it later, throw it away later, do whatever you're going to do with it. But don't give yourself, a, you know, don't be constantly editing yourself. You know, do that later. And I found that I didn't really have to change very much, that the, the places it went and the, the scary stuff and the horrible uh, stuff, the horror kind of graphic, gnarly stuff, was more in depth and kind of not what I, if, if you said to me, where should I take this next? And I gave you an idea, you'd be like, eh, that's kind of, kind of old hat. Yeah. That's been done where right. what, uh, what happens yeah. in this book has not been done in anything I've seen. And I was yeah. uh, pretty surprised to see that where it went. Uh, that's exciting. So, You're like, I don't think yeah. I've ever seen this before. That's, that's yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and being a fan of horror uh, books yeah. and horror films and all that stuff, there be, tends to become a, a formula to mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. And uh, I really hate a formula in a film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get very yeah. irritated watching movies anymore because everybody's rehashing 80s stuff. Or if you're going yeah. to, at least... It, it, my thing is, if you're going make to... Make it different, yeah. Make it different or just get ridiculous if you're going to... Yeah. You know, it. I know that uh, you know they did... Uh, when they did the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory... I'm um, hesitant to go. Uh, well, I to this day I've not seen the one with Johnny Depp just because yeah. Gene Wilder's the definitive. Well, and the thing is, was it necessary? Was there something that we could do better? You know, if you tried to remake Jurassic Park, what are you going to make the dinosaurs more realistic? Hmm. I mean, it, those it was stunningly good, you know, in the first one, and there's really nothing you can do to like make game it game changingly good. At, yeah, and at the time. there are some parts of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory I'm not that big a fan of. I thought a couple of the kids weren't that great at actors, mm -hmm. but it sort of didn't matter. You know, the story was so strong and it was so funny and so well directed and the, mm -hmm. and the script was good that, you know, good enough. Didn't need to be right. redone. And so anytime I see somebody rehashing something, you know, make a musical out of it. That's the idea. Oh yeah, like I guess they did that with color. I guess they did <laughs> that with color purple, which just came out, and I didn't yeah, know that was and, supposed to be a musical. And uh, uh, Pretty Woman and uh, Beetlejuice. I just saw that. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying they're bad. Some of them I haven't seen, but it's just like, are there no original ideas anymore? Can you guys? It's it's the idea of let's take a franchise that's mm -hmm. so popular that just by name we're going to sell tickets. That's that's been a recurring it's been a recurring talking point when it comes to this show, because we started out as like reviewers a couple of years ago. And I don't know if it's it's kind of harder now to judge movies, but we do often talk about how I, I will. T this is why I like M. Night Shyamalan, because whether his movies are good or bad, at least he takes some different scripts. You ain't going to find a a boring script on an M. Night Shyamalan project. Yeah. So yeah, might, I give him respect. Might not, yeah, the execution may need something here and there. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he does break ground. I mean, uh, I think anymore, if you're trying to write a review of a modern you know, horror film or any really anything anymore, you're mm -hmm. comparing it to the original source material. <laughs> right. You know? And that's that's not good to me. Um, yeah, I don't need to see a musical version of, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or, you know, well, <laughs> or that, that and let's try I to come up with something a little new. That or it would be if it's either a musical or a prequel. Like, that's one of the reasons I am hesitant to see. Speaking of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new Wonka movie that's coming out is because, I don't know, it just feels like I didn't really want to know where 
Wonka got his origin or how he became so eccentric. Yeah. Plus, I hear that yeah. this Timothy Chalamet has a severe lack of child endangerment in his. In his. Yeah. Well, you know, and if you if you look at some of these things, the origin story isn't necessarily like uh, I'll give you an example. When you look at the new, uh, the late, uh, the first Star Trek with um, Chris Pine, right? They were not trying to reinvent Captain Kirk. They were using mm -hmm. the origin story that was pretty much already there. But right. they said, we want to reboot this and we don't want to redo everything that's already been done. So we're going to use a time travel you know, mechanism mm -hmm. to be able to go in a new direction with the very same characters who sound and look and have, you know, very, very honest and very loving, <laughs> for lack of a term. That way you can say all those other episodes exist and, and everything. Yes. this is just a new you know this yeah. uh, all these events happened and now it's you know new adventures uh from here on yeah out. and i like that i like that they did that they were very respectful and very kind and you know like i said just very well done i thought and it wasn't trying to just rehash uh they were taking something that was a, a want people actually wanted new star trek and you can't mm -hmm. really do that you, you got no more uh, Leonard Nimoy. Nobody wants to work with William Shatner. Uh, <laughs> so you were able to do that and have some fun with it. Right. Uh, and you could go someplace different. You know, I know that, uh, you know, Scream 7. You know, right. uh, Wes told me, he said Scream 3 was going to be the last. He said, mark my words. God right. is my witness. There will be no more than Scream 3. I promise you. And then he made 4. And then, and then somebody five. came up to him and said, well, what if... Well, here's a, well, no, they said, here's a boatload of money. And oh, if you'll that, do this, that helps. <laughs> yeah, if we, if you'll do Scream 4, we'll let you do Music of the Heart. Ah. Uh. You know, so they, they cut him a, a deal he, he really wanted. You know, wasn't all that interested in doing Scream 4, but of course, it's a boatload of money and, you know, everybody's got a yacht payment. And then uh, they had said, you know, we'll let you do Music of the Heart. And, you know, that was Meryl Streep and, it's not Perlman and all these other, you know, people he really wanted to, you know, really prove his mettle with. Right. And so that said, you know, he got a chance to do something new. But I think there's a, you know, Wes had talked about not wanting to do sequels, you know, because sequels get dull, they get formulaic. Mm -hmm. And that was everything he wanted to get away from. I mean, even in the opening of, of Scream, they talk about uh, Drew Barrymore's uh, character says, oh, the, on the only good one was the first one. And <laughs> yeah. that's basically yeah. you know, Wes giving us, you know, stabbing at the uh, all the sequels. He's like, hey, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Hey. Yeah, we were yeah my entire Wi-Fi just stopped working. So now oh. I'm on my phone. Oh, you still sound OK, though. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. You just in time for Scream talk. For yeah. yeah, we just started talking about <laughs> Scream and how it it's become everything that West didn't want it to be. It's become formulaic. It's repetitive. Um, the comedy uh, and the self-awareness mm -hmm. and all that stuff kind of got lost. And they said, okay, well, let's make it more gruesome. Maybe that'll help. Yes. And I'm sorry, I just, I, I, it just doesn't work for me. I don't think it would even work for Wes. I don't want to speak for the man because mm -hmm. he's passed away. But it's just, that's the thing that bothers me about so much of the new content that's coming out is that it's not new. Right. And, um, even with the book, I really thought, well, let's try to do something different. And one of my favorite reviews had said, there's obvious Stephen King influences here. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> you just said my name in the same breath. 
Yeah, you Stephen know? King, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go, yeah. go crazy. Say whatever you want now. You can say anything. Just say, just say like, my yeah, name Stephen next King. to a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I, and I like, you know, that somebody says, you know, there's some influences there. And I think there are. I mean, I, I don't think I had any, um, intention of trying to do that. Right. But I've read a lot of Stephen King yeah. and, and I've read a lot of other horror books. So, yeah, of course, it's hard not to be, you know, you're going to be influenced by everything you've ever read, any movie yeah. you've ever seen. Uh, is going to have some effect on you. But, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, I don't think I've seen anything like mine. People have told me, oh, yeah, you know, there's this movie that had a similar sort of um, um, vibe to it. or Yeah. yeah and, and But they say, but not the same. Like, okay, because yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie. So long as you don't think it's a complete ripoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't uh, yeah. I mean, if it is a ripoff of something, um, sorry, I didn't see it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything like it either. <laughs> many years ago, uh, I was doing theater and I was doing The Elephant Man. Oh, and that's cool. uh, I'm a huge David Bowie fan oh, and a huge uh, yeah. actor yeah. of uh, Philip Anglum, who was played it on Broadway. And as the production was coming near, somebody said, have you, have you seen David Bowie's version? I said, no. And they said, have you seen Philip Anglum? I said, no, I don't want to see anybody's. Don't even tell me about it. I don't want to hear anything about it because I want to be able to to bring yeah. Bill Perry into this and right. let, let yeah. that person come through in this character. And uh, when I finished it, uh, Los Angeles Times said, a very interesting take, obviously derived from Philip Anglum. <laughs> now, Philip, oh, yeah. Philip Anglum won a Tony Award for it, so suck it. I'll take that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, it wasn't intentional. Um, maybe Philip and I share, you know, similar upbringing. Great or, minds uh, think alike. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, and, and the, and the play is the play. You know, you, it's hard to get yeah. too far from that character, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm not bothered by a comparison as mm -hmm. long as, like you said, as long as nobody's accusing you of stealing or right. you know, ripping it off or a bad interpretation of or whatever, you know, but all to say, I, I think there's just a lack of originality. Um, not because it's not out there, but because it's not a guaranteed source of income. Mm. You know, they'll do. Yeah. Pretty Woman, you know, the musical, because they know that the 40s to 60s, uh, <laughs> you know, film going and yeah. theater going public will right. buy it on name alone. Yes. And uh, God, I hope that ends soon. I hope yeah. people just get tired yeah. of it and just go I'm not doing it. I'm not going to go see another rehash of an 80s teen comedy turned into a, a musical. It's, it's not yeah. fun. It's not interesting. And it's it's unnecessary. Right. Legally Blonde, the musical. God, the dumbest movie ever turned into the stupidest musical ever. Since we're <laughs> dumping on film projects, yeah. you know, I'm just going to go ahead and throw in uh, Disney live action remakes, just since we're all d piling on. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. real quick. Why was Lion King necessary? Why was why were these films necessary? They're just, you know, almost shot for shot. Because they saw how much uh, they made at the box office and they're like, yeah, well, and, and again, you know, that's us, fine. So. But, you know, yeah. is it, are, you know, if it was, if it was something where I wanted to introduce my, my kid to yeah. that movie and yeah. maybe my kids aren't into animation, yeah, you know, maybe, oh. you know, live action yeah. they're into. Okay. But I, I just don't feel like that's their goal. I don't want to pay. No, let's bring this to a new generation. No, let's, let's milk this cash cow uh, before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to pay 20 bucks yeah. so they, and watch them basically suck all the color out of. 
the stuff they did in the animation. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and if you think about it, uh, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, exactly how you how old you guys are, but there was a time. Thirty two. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Um, well, it was about the time you guys were coming up. Um, they were taking all the old black and white films. Uh, mm-hmm. Turner Broadcasting was colorizing. Yeah. Now they colorized "It's a Wonderful Life." Now. It, this is a really touchy subject for me because you are. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> leave yeah. that film alone because yes. they yeah. did it in black and white on purpose. Exactly. Frank Capra, yeah. one of the finest American directors mm-hmm. ever was, shot it in black and white intentionally. Color wasn't a, a problem. He could have done it that way. He right. didn't want yeah. to. And so when you take a film yeah. that was intentionally shot black and white and colorize it just so you can appeal to a, a younger audience, mm-hmm. you are dumbing down. Yeah that you know like right. there, there's the character yeah. of violet guess what color every dress she's wearing is <laughs> uh purple <Type> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we didn't need to do this and there was a, there, one of the funnier ones is they uh, had uh they had a frank sinatra movie right you know and i don't know if you know yeah. the uh, old blue eyes old, old blue, blue eyes yeah. brown eyes yeah. in the film right oh, because yeah. whoever was colorizing it didn't know that bl- that frank sinatra had blue eyes so, you know, oh. it's this kind of, you know, yeah. kind of ham-fisted, let's just, you know, let's take something old and try to make it new by uh, by finding a way. And, I have uh, that and, same diehard feeling about colorization with the 12 Angry Men. That's my black and white movie. Yeah. That I, just, <laughs> yeah. Dave, yeah, I, mean, I, I know that you're kind of sitting this way because black and white movies, but I mean. Yeah. That, well, I know you know, like I said, if house, it was but... a choice, you know, if it was a choice, I say leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was like, uh, if somebody wanted to take, uh, you know, Frankenstein and mm. try to colorize sure. it, it would be, um, it would take something away from the fact that it is an older film. Right. And yeah. because they only had black and white to, to work with, they made yeah. very strong choices in the color palette of the right. costumes and things to, yeah. to, to give it that dark, eerie feeling. Right. And I think, again, when you try to kind of ham fisted, change that and and yeah. the impetus is not to revive the film but to revive uh its uh you know income potential yeah. <laughs> plus there's a certain aesthetic to black and white too that yeah. i just kind of yeah. like it's just kind of indescribable it just feels it has a certain feel to it that it just yeah i mean um nice. i do like a lot of black and white i have a great digital color camera which can do amazing things and i can do anything i want in photoshop but sometimes i shoot yeah. black and white right because uh it's a different way of looking at textures and and um, uh, and and just you know the world around you without color. Right. And I, again, I, I don't want to be sitting in bad mouthing you know too much of the film because I need a job. <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those things where as I as I see sequels and all those sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a podcast, but one of the first podcasts I ever did, and they called me the sequel king. Sequel because game. pretty much everything I did is a sequel. So I, for me to sit and yeah. bash on it would be to basically, uh, it's like, well, Bill, if you're so pissed about all those, we're going to take away your residuals. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, whoa, whoa, wait. No, let's not go far. Maybe I was a little hasty. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, at the time, it wasn't like I had a choice where it's like, no, I won't do sequels. Damn it. You know, we did yeah. what we did. Uh, yeah. And some of them are good, you know, uh, Godfather Part Two. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, uh, there's a lot the of, other there ones. are a bunch of there are a bunch of <laughs> yeah. great sequels out there uh, to yeah. uh, to a lot of films. T two, uh, 
like I would say Return of the Living Dead Part 2. I don't know what about it was so great that I (laughs) possibly the utility zombies, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Think about the uh, stunt work of William Perry that really makes it shine. Yeah, that, you know, I wouldn't have said that. But my gosh, thank you. I have a glowing review. <laughs> yeah. Home Alone too, as well. I would say. Yeah, uh, I, I love is, Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that yeah. has been playing nonstop. Um, uh, and today being you know just after Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. there was uh, almost you know I think they were doing all the Home Alone films one after the next, and then they had also done that with the Nightmare on Elm Streets one after the next at Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bring it on, people. Daddy's got a boat payment. You know, uh, yeah, Season of Perry. Yeah, I don't actually have a boat. So I'm not, but, uh, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah if we work on it. Uh, but it was really, you know, it's kind of fun to see them. And then um, I had a lot of people on Facebook, you know, reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I saw William Perry in there. Is that one you too? I said, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, that's like my favorite Christmas movie. I liked it even more than the first one. Or I liked it more than the second one. Or and and that's really you know fun to hear you know it's nice yeah. to find that people really are enjoying them sequel or not, um, and you know I understand like I say it's it's one of the things if you can go somewhere with it like if you look at Return of the Living Dead Part Two as an example yeah. it's a whole new story you know they <laughs> they they, they <laughs> took some of the characters that actually were from the first film and right. kind of squeezed them in. Um, Ed, Ed a used to be uh, yeah, yeah a little tongue in cheek yeah. fun they weren't doing it as a cash cow to you know. Yeah. exploit it per se they were just having some fun yeah. with it and that's and that you know for me was i think a lot of fun i like that one i, I like them both i would say i like them both equally well because they're different yeah. movies you know well, similar yeah. premise and all that. before before we go into uh that sequel dave before you cut out uh did you have any other questions regarding the book um because i know you cut out for a little yeah. bit right there mm, no Got it all covered. Yeah, we can't really, you know. I just didn't want to cut you off to, if you yeah, had like uh, going into have... detail about the book, and he can't give out too much right now. But yeah. I will yeah, just we'll get you guys. Read it. Yeah, I'll get you guys a copy. I would like you to. I'd, I'd really appreciate your guys' opinions because you know how I am about yeah. this. I mean, you, yeah. you, you know, Dave, being yeah. a writer as well, you know that it's it's really nice to have really you know objective criticism and say, yeah, yeah. you know, if somebody was to tell you something they didn't like and you were a little iffy about it, that's a great thing to hear. Yeah. That somebody else didn't like it because you go, you know, I knew that was weak. And yeah. I'm glad somebody else pointed it out. Um, and if I thought it was weak and you didn't, that's okay too. It's like, well, I thought that was weak, but that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I'll get you guys, uh, you know, either a, a digital copy or audio copy and be interested to see what you think. Well, that's much appreciated. Yeah. And um, yeah. I was, I was going to say that, um, I don't know if you are planning a sequel sequel, but I do like these titles by his hand, out of his mind. I, I like yeah. it's all based on different parts of the body. Um, if if you have a sequel in you, might I suggest a corner of his eye or, or, <laughs> yeah. or uh, from his, his lips? Yeah. 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 From, Which from is exactly where rectum. I pulled that title out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emanating from his orifices. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, as I was talking in, about the book uh, uh, to the publisher, and he was saying, "Is there a three? And I said, "Absolutely not, <laughs> not even close." And he's like, "Well, do you have another book in mind?" And I do, but it's not horror, so mm. it wouldn't be a, a, yeah. a title he'd probably be interested in. This one's a very funny kind of um, field of dreams kind oh, of okay. uh, sports story. Okay. A real difference. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, very different, and it came uh, to uh, my daughter's 
uh, boyfriend's dad. Okay. Uh, and uh, he just came, he says, you're a writer now. And I'm like, excuse me. You know, I'm like, I've been a writer for 13 minutes, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but he had this, he was, he was watching this game and this particular uh, thing happened. And he thought, well, what if that was, you know, what if that idea, you know, the magic if yeah. uh, came out and he gave me the idea and I just started writing uh, notes as fast as I could. And he goes, well, wait a minute, what are you writing down? I didn't give you that much. And I gave, I came he back gave to me enough. You, that <laughs> yeah. I had and he goes, that's not what I said. And I said, Oh, and he goes, no, that's way better than what I said. Wow. Because all that came out of that, you know, three lines I gave you. And it's like, it's a great, it's a great premise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to getting it out there because there is no place in this that is dark or uh, painful. Um, it's really all it's if you've ever seen Phil to dreams, it's oh, yeah. very, it's, it's got that, that sense of, um, it's very wholesome and yeah. it's very inspiring and it's uplifting and it's uh, uh, it kind of, it says, you know, there's still good in the world and there's still, uh, there are yeah. still heroes and there are still, <laughs> it sounds uh, like you spent so much time in the dark. You needed to switch to a project. that was <laughs> yeah. No lie, baby. No lie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, listening through these two, as I, uh, when I read the first book, it took me three tries to do the audio book. Mm -hmm. um, one time I was too emotional. The second time I wasn't emotional enough. And the third one, I was finally there. And then when I was writing the, doing the audiobook for the, for the second one, I just finally just kind of went, ah, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go to this place. It's horrible. What a, gosh, yeah. it's so, uh, so sad, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah. I, I, when I, I think about somebody like a Stephen King or somebody like that, um, yeah. he's so prolific that I don't, I don't imagine he internalizes it as much as I might. I'm, I'm a very empathetic yeah. sort of person. You know, if I see yeah. you with a toothache, oh, ow, right. my hand just comes to my face. Oh God, I hate toothaches. You know, yeah. and just you describing it would, I would be sharing your pain. And yeah, so he has to I just think, be devoid of emotion to just kind of pump it yeah. quickly. <laughs> I would have to yeah. think, you know, yeah. I mean, or, or it's just a fun idea and it exists in this, little place you go to when you go to your office and then you can go leave your office and you leave the story and all the suffering and gruesomeness, you know, that you leave there. Um, so I think this new story that's like I say, so, uh, I hope inspiring and I hope, um, a feel good kind of story. Yeah. I hope that the, uh, empathetic feeling that I have about that is, is conveyed as the, the painful dark sort of stuff. Uh, because I think if I, if I can really, um, get that story out and, and give you characters that you care about that, it, yeah, I think you know, people would enjoy it and go, you know, I'm not really mm -hmm. a fan of sports mm -hmm. stories, but this isn't really a sports story. I, I kind of think of it, it's not a sports story any more than uh, Ted Lasso is a sports story. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, it, where the sports it, are it's kind such of a great show. Yeah. Sports is merely yeah. just the vessel for the story. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it gives you interesting characters and it gives you something to cheer for. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, football. It could be anything. And yeah. uh, so that's, and, and I think too with the, the horror stories, that's that same sort of thing, except the, the events of this can really yeah. only happen in a horror framework. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. this other one, yeah, sports will be the venue. Uh, and the and the situation, but uh, I think it could work with, you know, almost anything. Do you have so, a uh, working title? Um, or when you're toying around with? Gosh, you know, it's funny. I don't remember what it is. It's at the top of the page on the <laughs> screen over there. <laughs> but um, 
That's uh, fine. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I do. I, and I, you know, and the one I have, I don't think I loved that much. It's probably why I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came up with uh, uh, Out of His Mind for the new book, um, mm-hmm. it's very important to the book. Oh, okay. Out of his okay. Mind. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you guys knowing uh, by his hand, um, you recognize that yeah, by his hand, it's like literally by his by hand. his hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And in this one, out of his mind. You know, um, whose mind are we talking about here? Is it my That's mind? all I'm going to say. <laughs> is it his mind? How are we getting, and what is what is out of his mind mean? Who are we talking about? And when I mm. came up with the title, it actually changed the way the book was written. Because I'm like, ooh, that's part of the, that's mm. part of the mystery here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was kind of made it fun. And it's like, yes. okay, that's what I'm going to play with. Uh, a buddy of mine uh, that read the first book said, okay, what was it? <laughs> what, do you mean, what was what? And he said, "What caused all of it?" It. Said, what was it? <laughs> yeah. And he goes. Yeah. I, I said, "What do you think?" He goes, "I already know what I think, though. I want to <laughs> tell me. Tell me yeah. what it is." And I said, "Not going to do it." He's like, <laughs> "No." And I said, "No." He goes, "I'm kind of unsettled." I said, "Well, welcome to horror." Yeah. And he said, "Is there a second <laughs> well, book?" And welcome said, to my writing process. <laughs> yeah. For the last. Yeah. Well, um, is there a second <laughs> book? And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Is that going to make it more clear?" I said, "For a while." And then it's going to take you right, it's going to take you right yes. back where you were. And he goes, oh. so you're never really going to solve this this problem for me. I'm not meant to solve your problem. I'm trying to entertain you, you know. <laughs> I was like, Son of a bitch, just tell me. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't. Uh, so I, I don't think that you should be looking for resolution in a book titled Out of His Mind. Something tells yeah, me that yeah. if you're going to be kind of going along a trippy road. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I and I like that actually. The idea that I'm actually screwing with you. Mm-hmm. Appeals to me <laughs> quite a bit, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's like hey, son of a bitch. Like I know, right? Isn't that cool? Because <sighs> the thing is, as I said, when I wrote it, I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, per <laughs> se. Um, I didn't really plan out, um, what it was that was causing all this. You know, is he crazy? Is he possessed? Is he, you know, what's yeah. going on? I don't know, man. Read the book. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but is it going to tell me? It didn't tell me. Yeah, sucks to be you. <laughs> Can't tell you. Sorry, your imagination is so limited. <laughs> or, you know, or I'm glad, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you couldn't make up your mind as to what it really was, because mm-hmm. that means I didn't yeah. tell you. That means I yeah. gave you enough, like there's a, a certain section of the book where you're like, oh my gosh, he's just batshit crazy. And then later you're like, well, wait a minute, batshit crazy wouldn't cause that. Oh, damn it. We're back where I'm back where I started yeah. from. Well, you heard it here on Body Bag. William Perry loves to torture his fans. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean. It really I makes think you think. You have to wait 10 to... years for him to release the sequel to have all that closure you want. Well, you go back to Aliens, you know, and one of the things that my favorite part of the movie Aliens, I'm sitting there next to my friend Paul and we're watching this movie and, you know, we're watching it pretty much through our fingers and our knees, you know, yeah. and uh uh, you know, Ripley gets back, uh, you know, she's, uh, they're in the, the deck of the ship. And I look over at Paul and I said, there's not credits. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking? I said, there's not credits. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it isn't over. Shit. This, there's, there's still not, stuff going on. <laughs> it's something yeah. really bad's about to happen, you know? And then, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Bishop, you know, gets it, you know, yeah. right at that yeah. moment. But, you know, it was like the, the lack of, of the fact that we were not scrolling through and we weren't going to the, the credits meant 
this ain't, this ain't over. You, you, yeah. it looks like we've just had the major climactic scene, but clearly just lulling us into a false there. sense of security. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And then it, and then it got so much, but you know, the whole, uh, the loader, yeah. That she used yeah. to fight the, the queen. Oh God yeah. took, you know, took so much great filmmaking and then went, and now we're going to go into soprano, you know, we're going <laughs> to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to take this up a whole key and just make it so much better. And yeah, I mean, I can't say I did that with the book. I wish I could. Uh, but that's the sort of thing that really, to me, um, makes uh, a great sequel or a great film even better. When you've taken all the expectations, you've wrung that person dry, you know, and it's like, oh, no, we're going to take we're going to take one more swing at you. We're going to take this. We're going to kick it up a notch, you know, and take you a place you can't even you that you 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 thought the best movie ever made. Uh, was it was you know completed but no it's getting bigger and that's that's not that's the best well you might not be able to say it but we will say out of his mind just as good as aliens <laughs> yeah we'll say it here yeah, that doesn't have to be true yeah. you know <laughs> my but, opinion what are you gonna but do, you heard it out? here first <laughs> best better if uh, just as good if not better than aliens yes and uh <laughs> and you know any other classic film better than uh Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really care for it. Yeah, I feel like that's just a movie you watch just to say you've seen it. That's kind of yeah. like with Cla yeah. Casablanca, where people like reference things like Casablanca or Kane, uh, Citizen Kane. But at the end of the day, how many people have actually sat down and watched Citizen Kane or Casablanca? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen Casablanca a number of times. I do like that film. Mm -hmm. um, there's you know there's enough plot holes to drive a truck through. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's almost uh, funny if you're kind of a student of film, which I think you guys uh, can say you are to a certain extent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You um, you find out about why they chose Bogart or why they chose Bergman or why they yeah. did this and why they did. And sometimes these were just you know financial considerations mm -hmm. um, where yeah. the director was just good enough to say, I'm going to find a way. You know, Steven Spielberg with the shark. Right. Uh, yeah. The shark Bruce just would not work. They could not make Bruce work no matter what they did. But the film was actually made better by some of the challenges that they faced. I love stories like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you find out, you know, well, how come we don't see the shark for the first 45 minutes? Oh, Spielberg was a genius. No, Spielberg had a, a non-functional mechanical shark. You'd right. have seen him in the first 10 minutes if he had his druthers, you know, in the beginning. He wasn't a genius. He was, <laughs> yeah. just, he was just adaptable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then and you see in that Jaws too, that uh, more shark doesn't work. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's there's something to be said for that. For those moments, uh, I was doing photography with some friends the other day, and they're a very, very loving couple, and they wanted me to take some pictures of the two of them, and they were going rock climbing. Right. And so I said, we'll just meet you there. We never took them to the studio, because watching yeah. them together, working with each other on the this rock face, it was so much fun, and you could just see they were so much more comfortable. And mm -hmm. so in the moment, I recognized I'm not going to get these two to be more comfortable or happier yes. or more relaxed than they're right. going to be when they're doing something they love together. Yeah. Right. And so um, my wife said, we're not, you know, we're not taking them to the studio. I'm like, no, no, this is so much better. Mm -hmm. And we, and the guy mm -hmm. has these pictures all over his office now. He said, I've never seen my wife look so beautiful. Oh, and well, yeah. yeah, you know, and in the moment it was just like, you know what, don't overthink this. Just go yeah. with what you're, you know, go with the mo what you've got going right now. They would have been so unhappy in the studio. They'd have been posed. They'd mm. have been very plastic looking. Yeah. They would have been very refined. Uh, 
That's yeah. not who they are. And so yeah. I think that's, I think, you know, when you talk about a, a Spielberg or, a, uh, you know, anybody else that's making a film where they face, you know, some major obstacle that they then turn into an advantage or they, yeah. they recognize in the editing room, you know what? Showing the shark too soon would have been a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's the mark of like a great director like a Spielberg or even think, uh, you yeah. know Wes Craven. And when they when they did the first Nightmare on Elm Street, it was a mm -hmm. shoestring budget, you know, in comparison to most films being made at the time. And yeah. so the the creepy factor, uh, you know, was done without CGI. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. it wasn't, wasn't something they had. I've heard really... people say that the editors yeah. are the real like storytellers when it comes to this stuff because yeah. they have to sift yeah. through hours and hours of footage and be like yeah. well we can work with this can't with this yeah. well uh, I, I, have you guys ever seen um the big chill oh uh, it's been a while no yeah it's a 80s film and one of the the things about it uh kevin it was kevin costner's first major film mm. except he's not in it mm. his character uh is one of the driving forces of the the film but he kills himself and so the film had oh, all sorts yeah. of flashbacks. Yeah. And the editor said, I don't need him. And uh, Joe Beth Williams and uh, a couple of the other characters said, we won't put our name on this film if he's not in it. Mm. And then they saw it and went, yeah. sorry, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll get your next film. I know it. Um, yeah. But uh, it, the editor just said it's not necessary. Um, in fact, it's dragging the film down. Right. And uh, and yeah. it's a very well received film. Did very very well. It's a, you know sort of a classic of the of the that time period. And yeah, when you know when you know that you're like, wow. Um, I mean, the only thing you see you see is wrists as they're yeah. uh, putting him into the uh, casket. And that's yeah. all you ever see. So uh, it, you know, sometimes that editor really yeah. is that person who just has to say, I'm sorry. It just isn't necessary. That whole scene. I mean, I've seen so many films where you go on uh, YouTube these days and you find these deleted scenes. Um, yeah. This is Spinal Tap is another one where uh, on the DVD, there's an extra hour of footage. And I said, oh, my God, why did they not include this scene? It's like because it only could be two hours, bro. You know, yeah. uh, there's so much funny stuff. They had to get the funniest. And then because we can't have movie. a five hour movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it could have been. And I think we all would have sat through it. Uh, you know, I certainly sat through the DVD, uh, but there's yeah. times, yeah, where you get, just got to figure out what really works. What uh, what can we do without? Mm -hmm. You know, what's, yeah. what's going to make this tight and fast and what's going to keep the pace up? What's going to keep the tension or the laughter mm -hmm. or whatever it is they're trying to keep? What's going to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, thank God for him because uh, I can't be objective, you know, that way. Yeah. No, everything I did is genius. <laughs> yeah. You just don't understand is yeah. all. Yeah. Don't even take the periods out. I need. You know, I want. I mean, take, you, that's what you can take out. I want it to be one long run-on sentence. Um, but uh, I feel like we should probably start delving into <laughs> to uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part two. Um. So Return of the Living Dead two. Yes. First off, um, I have fun with it. I mean, you can compare yeah. it to the first one if you want to, but I have fun with this. I, I yeah. love. 80, yeah. 80s and silliness and cheese is my yeah. wheelhouse. Oh, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it is dripping with cheese. It was goofy. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I love the the concept of a little bit of horror with my comedy, or a little bit of comedy with my horror. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, going back just as a reference in Scream, um, when when Rest showed me the script, I said, "You'll never get it made. It's too graphic. It's too yeah. intense." And he's like, "Oh no, it's going to be funny. Like, <laughs> Who's going to laugh at this? Yeah. yeah, who's going to laugh at that opening scene, right? And there's yeah. a couple of quick little yucks, some little pokes that are kind yeah. of funny in there. But um, and he said, "No, no, you'll see when I when I've got this all cast, you'll see." Yeah. And he's right. You know, there is yeah. plenty of funny in there. Um, but that's to me, it's Wes also said something about how, if you were to watch two, if you were to walk, walk into elf and you were going to walk in to scream and you hadn't, and you couldn't hear the scream, but you could watch the audience. You wouldn't know which film the audience was enjoying oh, because cool. yeah, yeah. the sense of release, um, right. Like usually after any, you know, scary horror part, there's almost always a laugh. Yeah, and comedy and horror go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, and the laugh isn't necessarily because it's funny. It's just a release of tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the same way, when you're there's something like if you're watching uh, Fish Called Wanda or whatever, John yeah. Cleese is up there, and oh my gosh, the awkwardness, and the, you know when he gets caught doing something really horrible, and oh, he yeah. stands his ground, and he's so <laughs> in the wrong, and then you're you're just cringing, <laughs> you know, and the laugh comes out of the release of that tension of oh my god, dude, stop, just stop, you know, and and in the same way, that's the the, the same reaction that. Uh, a good scary scene the laugh comes afterward because you're just like oh my god that was so crazy mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and i think that's that's why i like uh the, the return of the living dead movies is that there yeah. is funny to them it's intentional it's um you know a little bit silly and yet there's some pretty gruesome moments there there was a couple of things where it's like you know yeah they bite oh. into somebody's head. I always thought yeah. that the humor yeah. was intentionally supposed to be goofy like that. I thought that was intentional uh, yeah. when I was watching it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we were making it, there was uh, a very light sense. It looks like it was like a blast it. to make. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks like it was having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was a, a very, uh, it was a very low budget film at the time. Yeah. Uh, we made it in a part of California called Santa Clarita which is a good ah. 25 miles north of Hollywood. And mm-hmm. it was made yeah. in an industrial park that uh, had been slowly trying to sell itself as a low cost, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Soundstage. Right. Yeah. But there was no soundstage. It was just factory space. And yeah. uh, at the end, when, when they're all being electrocuted, you know, all, all yeah. these are out there, I was looking at the transformers and I said, are those not dangerous? And somebody took me over, and the Transformers were made from big trash cans and uh, McDonald's cheeseburger styrofoam boxes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they looked real enough to me. I thought they yeah. were real, you know. And they're like, Bill, those are those are boxes from you know, hamburger boxes. And I went over and went, Oh my God, you just printed, you just spray painted them gray. They're like, Yeah, like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, so so low budget, but so effective. You know. It worked really well, and so and the uh, set smells like McDonald's. Who doesn't? Yes, yeah, yeah. Why am I so hungry? Um, but it was very much done, like say, kind of a shoestring budget, and they'd already made money on the first one. Oh, they wouldn't have made the second one, but mm. they recognized that sometimes the the creativity that comes with uh, frugality <laughs> is a right. good thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, they, a lot of times, on in all those uh, old eighties horror films, if they were low budget, which most of them were. They would bring in um, assistant 
directors and assistant producers and things who were fairly new um, and they had to come up with a way to get it done. And sometimes yeah. the way to get it done uh, inexpensively was to bring in somebody who, you know, uh, just would come up with fresh ideas because they were young and didn't know any better, you know, maybe right. in some <laughs> cases. Yeah. And so that was a lot of times uh, where some of the um, the creativity came from. And in that one, like I said, it was, again, decidedly low budget. Um, I remember at the time I was really excited about doing this. Uh, you had mentioned when you wrote to me about, you know, which film do you want to talk about? Um, one of the things about that film was uh, it was at a time where I was trying to, you know, get myself into the business pretty well and things were really starting to happen. And I was working on a film the very day before and I had to be, uh, we were doing night shoots and I, I was driving to my house in, uh, out in the San Gabriel Valley, which is another, say, 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes mm -hmm. from Hollywood. And I got home at like two o'clock in the morning and I knew I had to be on the set at 630 in yes. Clarita and I couldn't sleep. And it wasn't because I was nervous. It was because I was so excited right. to be able to do mm -hmm. this. And the thing about yeah. it was when you're a zombie, um, you said uh, in your uh, email to me, yeah, you died two or three times. No, I didn't. Because <laughs> zombies don't die. You know, <laughs> that's the right. part. And that's yeah. the best thing ever when you're a stuntman. Yes. Because, you know, normally it's like, oh, sorry, your character gets run over and you're dead. No, your character gets run over. Then he comes back and he gets stabbed in the mouth. Then he comes back and he gets thrown <laughs> off a catwalk. Then yeah. he gets electrocuted. <laughs> then he's dead, you know. Yeah. So as a stunt performer, you're like, this is the best because I get to work and work and work. Um, yeah. And, you know, the more time you're on the set, the more you get paid and the more the residuals yeah. are and all the rest. So it was the best. I, and I just remember them saying, hey, we're going to run you over with a meat truck. Awesome. Awesome. You know, how are we <laughs> yeah. going to do that exactly? You know, and, yeah. uh, and so it was really uh, uh, a very I, I just remember just like one of the best times of my life just because. My career was really starting to go someplace. It was starting to be something mm -hmm. where people stopped calling me by the thing I did as a day job and started calling me a you know stuntman. Right. So <laughs> he started yeah. making that transition to legitimacy and and success, and uh, that was mm -hmm. kind of that place when you know two movies in the same day. Who gets that? Yeah. You know that that was a dream for most folks, uh, particularly for myself. So that was yeah. just you know one of those things, and the fact that when they I said so. I get run over and then I'm then I'm done. He's like, no, no. I'm done. Yeah, and, and when they were going. doing things, this meat truck's coming at me, and I just kind of stand there. And I said to the stunt coordinator, "Can I put my hands up?" And he's like, "Why?" And I said, <laughs> uh, to absorb the blow of being hit by a truck. And he goes, "You're a zombie. You're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of getting hit by something. You know, you're you're already dead. You're not. I'm sorry. You'll be fine. Turn this silly thing off. Sorry." Oh, you're fine. So yeah, so yeah, I was very excited <laughs> that I didn't die when I got run over by the truck. Um, but I did have to. I said, so uh, what we're going to do here, he says, well, you're going to get hit by the truck and the truck is going to stop here, but you're going to be right here. And yeah. so the truck's going to be, <laughs> bam, you know, it's going to hit you. And then yeah. uh, so they basically, we were on concrete, so they put a bunch of dirt down um, for about maybe, I don't know, 20 yards. And pretty thick, you know, maybe you know, six, uh, eight inches thick. And they said, so what's going to happen is the truck's going to hit you, and then you're going to fly backward, and uh, then you're going to the dirt and ground will absorb your um, your 
energy as you hit the ground. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, some first time for everything. Um, but the funny part about it was after it hit me, um, he said, so is that the worst thing you ever had? I'm like, you've never been kicked uh, by a black belt. <laughs> yeah. My brother Larry is a ninth degree black belt. And uh, he got me with a couple of sidekicks from time to time sparring. Nothing, nothing like that. That truck meant nothing. He's like, do that again. I don't get yeah. your brother, brother your brother inadvertently made you a better better at your yeah, job. Yeah, maybe certainly. Yeah, yeah. It gave me a gave me a, a a scale to judge things by for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was you know, and and then the the stab in the mouth of the screwdriver uh, thing. I'm at the top of this catwalk, and the guy says, "Okay, you're gonna get stabbed in the mouth." And then you're going to stumble back and you're going to fall over the railing. Mm -hmm. And so I look down and I, I see they've got like a high jump pit. And I said, um, okay, I'm going to kind of bring one leg up over and then I'm going to fall sideways. He said, no, you're not. You're nope. going to go straight backward and you need that you need that pad to be like this, not like this. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, hey, man, it's my safety. Right. Yeah. My way. Like that sounds a little... Uh suspect <laughs> to, to yeah you know i mean the fact that it was kind of up for grabs how we were going to yeah. do it can we just get a bigger pad or two of them and uh, mm -hmm. so he said I, he says we'll do it your way but mark my words you know, you're gonna fall like and he was right i totally was wrong um fortunately yeah. i landed on the pad but he sort of seeing me fall i would have missed the pad uh with a certain with about half of my body my head would have hit the concrete and he basically jumped down and put his hand there and caught my head before it smacked like a walnut on the ground. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, next time, listen to your stunt coordinator. <laughs> Stick yeah. with me, kid. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and it's like this very same guy. I won't name his name, but, uh, but it's uh, Gary Davis. Uh, yeah. Gary, <laughs> we were doing hey. the same. I just, I don't even know. Yeah. Who, who knows if he's watching? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> we were doing the scene at the very, very end where uh, the kids are in the transformer room of the uh, electrical plant and this big transformer is going to fall through the ceiling and the transformer is going to electrocute me. And uh, I look up at the glass that it's supposed to fall through and it's candy glass as we use um, there. And it's basically like yeah. resin and it's pretty yeah. thick, you know, maybe a, a good inch and a half thick. So much thicker than regular glass. And I look up and I see this little piece of blue tape. And I said to Gary, is that going to be on camera? I mean, we're going to see that. And he looks at it. He goes, yeah. So he gets up there and, you know, this piece of glass is probably, I don't know, eight to 10 grand. Maybe it's a big yeah. piece. And he's on the edge of the frame. Oh, shit. <laughs> falls through and Ooh. he falls seven, eight feet onto a steel tabletop. Ow. Oh. And that Ow. was not a breakaway. So oh, he just went, bam, bam! That was made of metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very real metal. And he just Ooh. smacked it with no pads, no preparation, and just smacked it like, oh my gosh, it just sounded like a hunk of meat hitting. <laughs> and he's like, my bad. And he just jumped up and they said, we got to get another piece of glass. And it was a Saturday because it was cheaper yeah. than Saturday. They had to find some you know, shop that was open and get another piece of glass and get it out there ASAP because all the crew yeah. and cast are waiting. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought, he never even winced. Not a sound. He, he you know? And I know there was a lot of a lot of pride on that fall. He wasn't gonna you yeah. know, or he has that a I brother fell. that practices spy, uh <laughs> kicks to him and now he has yeah, a, yeah. a separate yeah. like, pain oh, scale. That's yeah. just gotta hurt. And I knew that he was as embarrassed as he might have been hurt, but he 
I just would have had to have thought he would have broken something. But yeah. uh, well, not Gary, tough dude. Let's be home back. for the rest yeah. of the night. Get back up, yeah, yeah. And just uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, so you know, again, a, a low budget film, but a lot of fun. Even you know things like that, you know, didn't really bring the the mood of the the shoot down. Yeah. Everybody was everybody's having fun. It's a zombie movie. It's you know, we're not <laughs> making uh, you know some dark deep. You know, uh, yes, this ain't, this ain't cere- some cerebral project or anything. It's zombies <laughs> taking over well, a town. And... I would say yeah. a lot of brains were put into it. Oh, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. See where I went there? Was this the, was, yeah. was Return of the Living Dead the origin of like the brains kind of like yes. zombie? Yeah. 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 They, uh, in fact, uh, there's so many good, uh, I think it's one of the final lines of the film. There's this, you know, br- this head that's laying there and it's going, brains brains and then i think somebody shoves a, a screwdriver into his head he's just uh okay you head. win oh. you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? i thought she was funny <laughs> and it's funny when i when i when i realized what it was and they said yeah return of the living dead i thought oh man please don't make this be a zombie movie i can't i mean i saw you know, the original uh, night of the living dead and it tweaked me a bit you know uh, and in the movie Zombie, you know, the old uh, uh, the uh, yeah. Fulci. Fulci. yeah, yeah, uh, way too yeah. graphic for my tender sensibilities. <laughs> and I thought, oh God, please don't let this be one of those. And then when they told me it was a comedy, I'm like, but there's still a lot of brains over there, <laughs> a lot of body parts. <laughs> How are we yeah. doing this? You know exactly. And they said, no, yeah. no, no, it's not like that. And uh, as we started, you know, filming some of the scenes, the, the comedy was there. I'm like, okay, okay. Because uh, I think doing one that would, would be that graphic, like uh, like zombie or yeah. that, would be really hard for me. Just to uh, yeah. I'd do it, of course. And and you know, most of the time when you're making these things, it's kind of dull because everything's very yeah. slow. You don't see the whole thing come together. You're seeing yeah. three to five seconds. Oh, you're only time. there for just the scene, and then yeah. yeah. And I think uh, you know, you guys talk about being your your glimpse of Hollywood. Uh, you think about a script being about ninety pages. And you, uh, that's one minute of film per page, yeah. for a 90 minute film, and you have nine weeks. So each week you're getting about 10 minutes, you know, mm. of, uh, of film uh, done. Yeah. So, and a lot more gets shot than, than um, is ever shown. So most filmmaking is pretty slow. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, they have these things, they call them honey wagons. Um, which are like your dressing rooms and uh, you know you do your scene and you go sit in your trailer for a while or you go over to the craft service table and get a snack or go to lunch or whatever you're going to do but there's a lot of time spent between any you know two shots even two people talking first they show from this angle and then they want to show that person's reactions from this angle so they may do that scene 15 times to get the exact right combinations that work and so you as the stunt person or other crew member, you know, you're just kind of sitting and waiting on that. And so sometimes the really horrible, scary special effects stuff, there's enough time in between. You don't see it all put together until the film's actually finished. And so it's not as nauseating you know, yeah. as far as the, the gruesomeness of it. Um, but then again, sometimes it is. You know, Sometimes you look at that and go, oh, don't need to see anybody eating any more brains. <laughs> yeah. the, that one was definitely yeah. a lot of fun and and, and you know the, the cast was very fun um everybody was just in a really good mood and i think because it was a low budget one you know expectations were 
uh, a little more reasonable. You know, you're not yeah. making Citizen Kane. You're not making Gone with the Wind here. Uh, <laughs> have some fun and uh, keep the mood light because we're not getting paid enough. We're not millionaires here. You know, there's yeah. nobody on that film was really a huge star. Uh, I think Dana Ashbrook was probably the most well-known person at the time because of uh, uh, Twin Peaks and that sort of stuff. Oh, right. If you hit on yeah. No, I don't I think so. Remember. I think wasn't Twin Peaks. Maybe that might might have been before. Was was it the 90s? Early nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and, but anyway, none of these folks was was super well known. Um, yeah. The other the the two uh, uh, the younger I can't think of their names right now. Tom Matthews and the other gentleman, they were well known just because they'd already done the first one. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, so yeah, so there was no real big names. It was really just a very fun set to do, and everybody mm-hmm. was having a good time and. You know, it was all fun. It was no Sounds way. like everybody knew what kind of movie it was. It was just, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody yeah, there was you, trying you to do Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you all knew you were you know you were going to do the best you could. And I think almost any actor worth his salt will tell you the comedy comes out of you playing it straight. Right. Yeah. If you uh, you know, when, when I find um, sometimes I mean I love Will Ferrell, but for the most part, there are times where if the actor's too much in on the joke, mm-hmm. it's not funny anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, it's it, when it's played straight, uh, like you know, going back to uh, Fish Called Wanda, uh, you know, the, all of the actors are playing it very, very straight. But that's why it's so funny. It makes yeah. the reality of the situation more absurd when everybody's taking it very, very seriously. Right. John Cleese <laughs> is the master of taking. Oh, I love John so Cleese. Seri- yeah. yeah, so seriously, <sighs> and that, and it just the humor is built out of. Or his, uh, Leslie Nielsen. I would, I would yes. Say. Yeah. yeah, people who just uh, you know playing at deadpan is just their game, and that's why it's so funny because they don't seem to be aware of how ridiculous the situation is. And I think the actors in this one were you know were strong in that way. It's like yeah, you know, this is uh, you know this is supposed to be a, a horror film um, in its way, but we know that there's funny in here. Just mm-hmm. play it straight and let the let the script do the work. You know, let the situations do the work. You just play it you know to the best you can straight scared whatever it is going to be there's a you know, there's a scene where all the zombies are watching a jazzercise uh yes. <laughs> video i mean yeah. that's the kind of movie we're, we're making. yeah yeah and yeah <sighs> and and you know, when those scenes came up you know uh they'd say cut and then the laughter right you know, with, with, with everybody's yeah. kind of you know trying to keep it in until it's afterward and then and, you know the director and everybody else would laugh and you know they'd say cut and then the word the laughter would break out which is great. That really kind of keeps it fun. At the end of the day, you know you did something fun. Right. You know, and, uh, yeah. You, know, you knew that this was going to be pretty good. You know, certainly it was going to be well received because it took all the good things of the first one and kept them going. You know, right. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you got anything? I feel like I'm stealing questions from you. This is a random question, but as like a stuntman, how much of an actual script do you see beforehand? Do you get like a full script or just. This is what you do. Very rare it. to get the whole script unless um, unless they know you're going to be there for a lot of stuff. You know, if yeah. you're um, if you're doubling a character, you might uh, and you're doing scenes throughout the film. They give you the whole script. Um, when we did uh, Predator Two, uh, I got the whole yeah. script, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I was only in one scene, but it gave us full script because I was considered an actor and not just a stunt person. Mm-hmm. And so they felt like actors needed to see the whole script to see where they fit in. Uh, to yeah. the grand scheme of things, but most times it was uh, if you got anything. Um, sometimes you can get anything. You know, they just say, oh. "Okay, show up," 
and you say, what are we going to do? And they might read it to you and say, this is what we're going to do. And then it was usually the stunt coordinator who would get the whole script, and he might give you a glance at the pages and say, this is how this fits into the rest of the film, but you'd only be looking at a page or so. And then um, there would be a very rudimentary description um, for the most part of what the action was going to see. And, you know, and, you know, and he is killed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How are we going to do that? He's going to get run over. Oh, no, that's important. You know, Um, and then uh, the stunt coordinator's job a lot of times is they'll, they'll hire the director, the director will hire the stunt coordinator Mm -hmm. and they'll say, here's the scenes we got. How would you do this? And the stunt coordinator and maybe the director of photography and the director would all get together and they would talk about how they envisioned seeing that. So if we talk about, uh, as an example, uh, uh, Turn of the Living Dead, the zombie gets stabbed in the mouth, um, and he's falling backward, kind of choking, and then he falls off the catwalk. Well, first you see from the kid's point of view, then you see the zombie's point of view, then you see yeah. the kid's point of view, and then you, you see the kid's point of view grabbing for the screwdriver, you see the you know screwdriver go up, and then you see the you know from the point of view of the kid, the zombie's face, and then you're on the ground looking up and seeing the zombie come down. So they would talk about all that and say, okay. Okay, "Here's the here's the five shots we've got in mind, and we'll do this over the course of the next two three days." And you think, "Gosh, that's such a short scene. That takes three yeah. days." Yeah, um, if there's a stunt involved, it always takes longer because um, there's more safety, um, yeah. more things you know involved in that. And so you would just basically what it would say in the script is, um, you know, character grabs the screwdriver, shoves it into his mouth, zombie falls from the roof. That's really all you would get. And then the stunt coordinator would say, okay, here's how I would do that. Uh, Best possible way to keep everybody safe, giving you what you want as a director, you as a director of photography. This is how we'll shoot it. This is what it will cost to do it my way. And then they, would, they might talk about that a little bit and see if, that, if there's any way to you know, keep on, stay under budget yeah. there's, or if there's an issue with that. And then when they bring the stunt person in, they pretty much got it worked out. You're going to be up there. You're going to fall straight down from here. We're going to have a pad here. You know, you're going to roll out of the way, and then the kid will stand up. Okay. Yeah. So they would talk about the sequence. You'd you know, walk through it two or three times, make sure everybody was there. They would talk to... There's any firearms? They work with a cast and say, yeah. in the room, you know, right, in case something bad happens." Yeah. So they kind of do all that, and that's why that, a scene like that might take two, three days to shoot, because there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved. Safety people, fire department wants to be yeah. there, uh, just to make sure you know everything's safe that way. Yeah. So yeah. So in, in the script, it's usually you know, like I said, just a paragraph or a few lines, and for the rest of us, you know, it's a day's work. Okay. Have you not a have, whole lot of instruction usually? <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you ever had like suggestions or like notes to make a scene better, or do they like yeah. not really listen to anybody who's like not a main actor or like? I I, I did actually have a thing that I noticed. Uh, we were doing um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and yeah. um, we're hanging from this windowsill, and at some point, uh, Elvira drops the window on our hands, and we all fall. Yeah. But the problem was when I got up there, I realized we're not hanging from the window. We're hanging from the window sill. Hmm. And I turned from where I was up there and, and I said, our hands aren't in the window. If she's closing that, that would not cause us to fall. <sighs> and the director turned and looked at the stunt coordinator and he called me up afterward. What the hell is wrong with you? 
And I said, <laughs> you got that guy fired. <laughs> I, I mean, we'd have to shoot it again. He goes, what do you care? And I oh. said, I thought I was mm. being helpful. He goes, don't help. Because you made me look like an idiot. I said, how did that make you look like an idiot? He goes, well, I didn't notice. And I said, well, I mean, if they had to bring us back another day to shoot it, wouldn't that be bad for you? He goes, right. it'd be fine for you, wouldn't it? Yeah. I said, yeah. He goes, then keep your fucking mouth shut. Poor guy. I'd, 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 I'd do the same thing for the exact same reason. I'm just trying to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just trying to be helpful here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if nobody noticed it, and it did, and it was in the film, or maybe they get it gets all the way to the editor, and he's yeah. like, "Why did they fall? They didn't slam the thing. Their hands are clearly nowhere near the window. You know, they're not near the window. Yeah. Wouldn't have touched them. Then they'd have to call everybody back, and they'd have to reshoot the scene. Very, very expensive uh, yeah. to do a reshoot." I couldn't imagine anybody would prefer that. And his thing was, nobody would have noticed, Bill. Stop thinking. You know, you're way over. Yeah. Like, yes, but you don't know how I played it out in my mind. This was going yeah. to save the film. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so, you know, for every now and then, something would come up like that. Um, uh, when we were working on uh, the TV show Alias, uh, Jennifer Garner, just lovely. God, right? yeah. Super, super nice. Um, and she brought us on to set, and she'd say, if you see anything, Say something. If you have an idea that you think would make that scene work better for everybody involved, you know, this is a very collaborative set. There's nobody stuffy, nobody stuck up here. That sounds great. On my yeah. set, I want everybody to feel like they are equally responsible for the best possible product. And number one, yeah. she's so pretty. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that goes without saying. You know, and then yeah. that nice, you know, and that, and so, uh, it was funny. I hadn't worked on a film in a, in a long time, and the stunt coordinator was a friend of mine. And he said, uh, "My daughter had just been born." And he said, "Did I ever get you a, a, a shower present for your daughter?" And I said, "No." And I said, "You don't have to." He's like, "You want to work on Alias?" I'm like, "Yeah." What a present! So I, I go out there and and I work for four days, which is a lot uh, for most uh, stunt guys. And uh, there was a small acting part, and then there was the stunt, and. Uh, they would go, we need Bill Perry over here. And I'm like, <laughs> I was the bell of the ball. Everybody needs Bill right now. Well, as soon as he's gone, you send him back over here. I'm like, yes. Everybody just hold on. I can't be two places at once. And it was just awesome. It was just so much fun. And then she was so, like, she's like, do I have a fight scene with you? And I said, I know I have a fight scene with somebody. She goes, well, I mean, the, the, the scene that I remember, I whooped crap out of somebody. So is that you? And I'm like, Candy, oh, <laughs> yeah. my butt, baby. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. And so uh, it was just really one of those fun sorts of things. And you don't normally get that kind of um, freedom to be, mm -hmm. you know, to speak up. Uh, I was doing a student film uh, a little while back, and uh, after we had done the scene a number of times, the director said, "You know, Bill, I like what you say much better than what the writer said. You just say whatever you want to say." You know what the scene is. Yeah. Say and do whatever means, you know, whatever feels right. And so at one point I'm walking through the hallway and I'm this very important executive. And this uh, guy turns to me and I said, coffee, two, you know, two creams, no sugar. And I said, and we, not that powdered stuff. And he's looking at me and I said, do it. I said, now. And he goes, I'm sorry. And I said, go. And the director came up to me and said, that was very nice of you. And I said, why well, was what? nice? He just got a speaking role. Ooh. <laughs> oh, but she goes, an extra just got upgraded. 
He just oh, got, that's cool. He oh, just yeah, ended up getting in the Screen Actors Guild because of you. And I said, oh, you know, my I was God. Like, oh, shit, I am so sorry. She goes, no. She said, the look on his face, you were just screaming at him like, say something, you idiot. And he goes, yes, sir. And he runs off. She <laughs> said, the look on his face was everything we needed because Excellent. we needed to establish that you were this asshole <laughs> and yeah. that everybody was terrified of you. And his face, because he wasn't supposed to say anything. He was told not to say anything. And here yeah. I am forcing him to say something before I had even let him leave, uh, leave the camera. She said, yeah. it, it just, it changed everything about the way we look at you. Totally worth it. And then <laughs> he went and gave me a big hug. He's like, I'm in the union. And, yeah. <laughs> that kid's but you name was Zac Efron. In the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, you know, that, that kind of freedom to just be yourself and, uh, and just go where it goes. In fact, we were doing a, in the audition, um, we were auditioning all sorts of women to be the secretary that I'm, um, being inappropriate with. Let's just mm. say that. And, uh, this one woman walks in and, and they tell her, you're going to go speak to this gentleman and you're going to, um, you guys have had sex the night before and you, uh, you're trying to sort of build out the connection because, mm. There really wasn't much going on. And she, she walks and goes, hi, Mr. Miller. And I said, before you say another word, we don't talk. Okay. Ooh. We screw. <laughs> so I don't want to hear about your cat. I don't want to hear about your apartment. I don't want to hear about your day. That's not what we do. <laughs> We're just here to fuck. Okay. And the what director an looks at me. She goes, yeah. And the director looks at me. She goes, you are horrible. And I was like, I'm, you told me to improvise. And she's like, yeah. I know, but it's, God, what an asshole. I'm like, <laughs> you know, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. She says, you seem like such a nice guy. I'm like, mm. yeah. They often play the biggest. <laughs> in the yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. You, just, you tell me to just go wherever my mind goes. That's, that's who he is. And mm -hmm. like I said, that's that, you know, I've seen that in, uh, in, in interviews on like Martin Scorsese films, um, where he will allow like a Jack Nicholson. He'll allow, yeah. you know, his actors to do that. And uh, as an actor, you look at that and go, oh, my God, what an amazing way to work where, yeah. you know, it's like I wrote it, but you understand this character to a level of depth I will never have because. Right. Yes. Yeah. So go, go in and do what you need to do. And I'll just let the camera run and we'll stop. When That's why I can understand how method actors like, you know, they yeah. just get yeah. in your head and you're like. Yeah. And and the method thing is a little screwy to me. I mean, I. I think it was uh, Lawrence Olivier was working with Dustin Hoffman on Marathon Man. Right. And Hoffman had stayed up for like two days ahead of this big scene uh, because he wanted to be as thoroughly um, tired as the character is in there. And Olivier, yeah. you know, one of the greatest actors of our time, turns to him and said, why not just act? Yeah. <laughs> just pretend you're tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, act like you're tired. I can see uh, both yeah. both points. I can or... see both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, um, from a there are certain actors who feel like, yeah, I want that authenticity though, and that's the way I I achieve that authenticity. Whereas yeah. other people are like, you know, um, my emotions and my feelings are very close to the surface. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can cry at the drop of a hat. Just need to take myself to think my, just yeah. think about my dead cat. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I'm there. You know, and some people can do that, you know, and some people can't. So it's two different ways of working. I respect both, you know, because uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Batman. Uh, Keaton? Oh, no, the other one. Uh, oh, Heath Ledger. 
Uh, oh no, not uh, not the Joker, but uh, the actual Batman. Um, Bale, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Thank you. Uh, I worked with him on Newsies, and he was very method, very method, and he was amazing. And if you see uh, Empire of the Sun, and you see so many of his great films, he's lost in his care. He is in. I mean, uh, the thing he did with a uh, oh, machinist. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, or the one he where he played uh, the uh, chain. American. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Oh my, and he's yeah. he doesn't look like him. He doesn't sound like him. He's Dick Cheney, you know. And yeah, there's no doubting that. Uh, when I look at somebody who can do that, dude, that's. And he spends weeks preparing for stuff like that. That's why they say he's kind of a hothead on the sea on the set. But mm. you know what? Yeah. Look at the final result. Right. Yeah. Good. Whatever his whatever his tools are. To that's get why there, he's Batman. Yeah. That's why he's Batman yeah. and Dick Cheney and 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 you know he can be anybody. Yeah. Else. Um, that's that's that mark to me of of an artist. However you get there, maybe it's yeah. a little more eccentric than other people. But, you know, gets the job done. And you know, Oscars and bazillion dollar budgets and everything else uh tell me why it's you know tell me what's wrong with what he's doing you know yeah right. <laughs> uh, he, he, <laughs> numbers don't lie better yeah and he does superhero <laughs> films and he does uh you know biopics and he does everything and he does them all well i don't think anybody i don't think i could think of a film he did where i thought eh, you know script was good but christian bale Sucks. Yeah. Can't really. He's I'm got sure. a good script. He's going to get good. Yeah. I'm sure, there's something, but I can't yeah. think of one. I'm sure the it's out head. there. Yeah. Unless he paid somebody to bury it. But yeah. 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 Well, you money. know, uh, his, uh, his uh, trolls character, I thought, really lacked depth. You know. <laughs> Did you really <laughs> believe he was a troll? I didn't believe he was yeah. a troll. <laughs> no, I thought he was more yeah. an elf. Really. <laughs> he didn't do the groundwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he should have known. Uh, um, um, while I was watching Night of the Living Dead 2, I had this distinct image in my head. Tell me if I'm uh, close or far off of just all the stunt people, like all like kind of gathered together and just trading. Like, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm getting shot. Oh, what are you today? I'm getting run over today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just swapping. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm getting decapitated. Okay. Yeah, 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 and 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 all with the same level of um almost like bragging about it right you know like what happens <laughs> getting run over by a meat truck no way you know um, yeah. there was a scene in there and this is one of those ones where it's like more power to you buddy you're tougher than i am there's a, a scene where one of the guys gets hit by an ambulance right and he goes flying back and he uh lands in a sign like a um almost like a sign you'd see outside of a motel right or a, a school where it's uh, yeah plastic on there and the way that thing was built, it was a real sign. And you got the plastic part here. And then there was sort of a base made out of concrete. And um, he was on something called a jerk line or a jerk harness. He's, he's got a harness on. The thing comes up and it stops. And uh, from the angle, uh, this, yeah. this jerk line basically is attached to a motor. And it just pulls him. And he goes flying back. Mm. Or might even been at what they call a, an air ram where it's like a catapult. Right. And it's air power. Yeah, it was actually a, a catapult. So he's on this thing called an air ram, and it fires off, and he goes flying back into the sign. But he didn't quite make it. Ooh. He landed oh. on the base. And he oh, landed concrete. backward, right on his ribs. Yeah. And clearly, yeah. it broken something. You know, a rib yeah. or whatever. And I see him get up, and everybody's like, oh, shit. You know, and he goes into his room, and he's got duct tape. 
wraps it around, <laughs> walks back up. Let's go again. <laughs> oh. Tell me we at least were filming. <laughs> Tell me you yeah. got that at least. Uh, well, the thing is, they couldn't use the one. Oh, they no. Uh. Couldn't use it. And so they decided to go again. And he did the stunt with what I have to believe was a broken leg. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that must have hurt. I mean, the, just breathing. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you guys have ever had a, you know, a, a, a rib break or anything like yeah. that. It's it's hard to breathe. Yeah. And so there he goes. He goes right back out and does that. I remember turning to the stunt corner saying, I will never, ever be that durable, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get anything more than a hangnail. I'm crying like a little girl and I'm going to pout and I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. No. <laughs> Was that his only scene of the day? <laughs> That? Was, that his, was that his only scene, or did he have like a whole day? No, no, of... he was on the show yeah. for other things as well. And so he, he had a whole day of just... Just a yeah. badass. Yeah, I mean, that may have been his only stunt that day. Uh, um, yeah. But he, uh, it was that, well, that evening. Yeah, so when you see that scene, uh, if you ever watch the film again, and you see him go into the sign, recognize that was take two. Oof. Um, <laughs> take two with a, with a uh, apparently, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it was a broken leg. Yeah. And it's made of stronger stuff than I am. Yeah. yeah. Stronger stuff than most people. I mean, I, I tell people, you know, being a stuntman's like being a football player. You know, you expect uh, some bumps and bruises and yeah. knocked around. That's part of the game. Uh, broken rib, they would take you out. Concussion, yeah. they would take you out. Uh, yeah. He went back. He went back for more. And the stunt coordinator, you know, is kind of at the, uh, you know, he's got a spot he's in. Yeah. He thinks the guy's really hurt. He won't let him do it. But yeah. the guy says, no, I'm fine. I can do it. And he seems to be, you know, competent and capable to do it and doesn't seem to be in such bad straits that he can't. Hey, you know, we really can't get anybody else in here very quickly. You know, it would at least take three, four hours to get somebody else here. And that's downtime unless there's something yeah. else we can shoot. So it's it's kind of a tough spot to be in. You got to do what you got to do, you know, to make the film uh, you know, that day and get as much done as yeah. you can. But I remember seeing that and just going, wow, that's a tough ombre, man. That's really crazy. Uh, but for the most part, when you're doing your stunts, yeah, you know, what do you get to do today? I mean, and, and because a lot of us were um, what they were calling utility zombies. Yeah. Utility zombie is um, when I was doubling the character of Billy, I'm the Billy zombie. Right. I yeah. go in as um, a utility zombie and it's the same day, double pay. Yeah, oh, baby. Oh, nice. <laughs> because you're two different characters now. Yeah. So, um, and that's just the way the Screen Actors Guild runs things. So, didn't suck. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah. Uh, so it's just we were doing two different zombies. And the thing was, they said, "Well, why would they use you twice?" It's like, "Well, I'm already there. I'm already yeah. on the payroll. Um, yeah, just easier. Why not?" <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of us were utility zombies. You know, they had a bunch of extras that were also zombies, and they got to do some fun stuff. But if they were going to do anything with any, um, uh, like with it, something they'll, they'll call it a, like a bullet hit. You'll see somebody standing there twitching, and then bang, something will blow up on their back like they've like they've been you know electrocuted. Yeah. Um, they're just like little electrical charges that make sparks. Well, I can uh, imagine that most of the, like if you're making a zombie movie, I would imagine that a good majority of the zombies are probably the same people. You can just dress them up as whatever you yeah. want. Different people, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I sent you a picture of me looking very like a blue zombie. Yeah, that was one of my... first time I've ever seen a zombie pose. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because it was the come hither zombie look. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, those pictures are usually taken by the makeup crew because they want to 
um, be able to have, you know, you'll carry it around with you in your pocket and then they look at it the next day to make sure they got you looking exactly the same because they don't want yeah. to have there be some sort of disconnect. That yeah. Look the same because, you know, every zombie is unique. You know? We're very <laughs> We're all snowflakes. Yeah. The zombie, yeah. the zombie, you know, uh, you know, community is very inclusive and we want to make sure everybody is you know, seen yeah. as the kind of zombie that they are. Um, so uh, as they would do those things, they didn't want those, you know, somebody to, and you, or you needed to be different enough that it's right. like, now nah, that you look like you just looked like yesterday. You got to fix that. Make him yeah. more of a green zombie than a blue zombie or whatever it is they had to do. And I, I just remember keeping those pictures like, oh, this is so much fun. Yeah. And then I found them one day. I went, oh my God, I still have those old zombie pictures. How fun is that? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I carry those around, just, you know, had them in a box. And then after, when I put, brought them home, I was like, oh, that's a nice little um, memento of that time. And it does sort of remind you whenever I get a chance to, to do, like if I'm going to do a, uh, a convention where they're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, I'll go back and watch the films again just to kind of refresh yeah. my memory of the things that went on. And it's fun. You know, it's fun to kind of look back on those times because, like you said, where the stuntmen are sitting around BS, and and of course you always did a bigger stunt than the guy that's you know standing to your left. Right. You know, if you're going around telling <laughs> yeah. stories, hey, I got a topper for that. You know. Yeah. I'll tell you how um, I got decapitated on set. Yes, and it was real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not doing one of those, you know, piece of crap CGI one. They cut my head off. And this was, this <laughs> gave me, took me, gave me some aspirin, and moved on. Yeah. You know, aspirin, <laughs> you puss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just put a little back teen on it, you know, that's, yeah. but yeah, there was, you know, there's that kind of camaraderie about, you know, what you got to do. And, uh, you know, then you, then, like I said, a lot of times it's a lot of storytelling and you just hang out. Uh, most of the time you're sitting in a director's chair over by craft service, eating your weight in Oreo cookies and, you know, <laughs> sitting around BSing with other fun people. And, and, and a set is usually a really fun place to be because everybody there is creative. Everybody's there yeah. because they want to be in this business. There's very few people, uh, you know, here and there, but most everybody's very happy to be there. They're happy to be working. Yeah. And this is, for most people, a job they worked very hard to get to. So right. now when they're on the set, they're pretty happy to be there. And so there's yeah. not a lot of negativity and there's not a lot of anger and grumpiness. Um, sometimes there are people who are you know, paid for the whole day, no matter how much work they do. And if they feel like they're being overworked, they can be a little grumpy. But for the most part, we're all pretty happy to be there. So it's like uh, going on a, a camping trip with all of your buddies that are just have been looking to the, forward to this all year long. Yeah. Nothing's going to ruin your time. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. If it rains on you. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like so much fun. Yeah, you're yeah. having a good time. So you know, how, you're getting to make a movie. <laughs> you know, how is this bad? What, what part of this is not appealing to you? you know, it's everything you ever mm. wanted to do. You're lucky enough to get to do it. You know, lucky you. Yeah. Lucky me, Dave. What did you uh, think of uh, Return of Living Dead Two? Uh, it was your first time seeing it. Yeah, I still haven't seen the first one, so. But it's what you expect from like an eighties zombie horror movie. As soon as I you saw know, it, was like horror comedy, cheesy, I, yeah. yeah, funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, yeah. it's it's entertainment. Um, that's the kind of way I, I look at a lot of movies anymore. Um, my wife has a tendency, if I start picking a movie apart, she'll go, you know, it's not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> there so, is fiction. It is fiction. Yeah. Just... We were watching uh, Maestro the other night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, amazing. You know, um, uh, and people I've 
heard complain that uh, Bradley Cooper doesn't look 25 in the beginning, although I thought he was convincing all the way from 25 up to 80. Um, Amazing makeup and all the rest. But, um, you know, people were saying, well, I don't think he was convincing as a 25-year-old. I'm like, made a documentary. (laughs) It is an entertainment, and it's a biopic, so there's going to be elements to that. But to me, um, yeah, if I'm watching a film like, I mean, I didn't walk into Return of the Living Dead expecting you know, uh, the height of drama and the, you know, the sorrow of a nation or something, you know, it's, yeah. it's an entertainment, you know, go in there, have some fun. Stop taking everything so damn seriously. It's not meant to be, you know, um, yeah. a deep, dark treatise on the human condition. It's a zombie movie. Enjoy it for that. And if you don't like zombie movies, don't go see it. You know, <laughs> I, I hear a lot of people talk about movies they don't like. I'm like, well, what did, why did you go see it? You <laughs> clearly don't like horror movies. Why did you yeah. see it? Well, I got dragged into it. Well, then you're really not in a position to make a real critical, you know. You're easily manipulated. Of it. You, hated <laughs> yeah. it. you hated it before you saw it. Yeah. So how was it going to, I mean, if you came away and said, I hate horror movies, but I really loved this one and I don't like horror movies. Well, that would be a nice critical yeah. fact because I, you know, you converted somebody who wasn't really yeah. into these kinds of things. But if you walked into the door hating it and you hated it when you walked out, well, there is a, you know, Big shocker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you didn't like it, but you know, we made the we did the keep for people who like this film, they love that film. Right. Yeah. You know. Uh and that's all you can really hope for. And you know, these ones most of the horror films to me were very much that. If you like horror mm-hmm. films, this is a good one. If you don't like horror films, there are no good ones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it it's Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that's why uh, reviewing sometimes is hard because even if I come across a movie that I particularly didn't like and that three years ago me would have been like, oh, man, there's like zero out of 100, whatever like that. Yeah. Now I'm like, people got, you know, took the time to make this thing. And I'm sure that yeah. they probably had a lot of, I mean, that, you know, I'm sure somebody had fun making it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that there for people who, who this type of, who go to see these, like, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the Terrifier movies. Right. Um, yeah. Cannot watch Human Centipede. Mm. Nope. 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 Not going to work for me. I'm not saying they're bad films, and I'm not saying other people shouldn't go see them. Just, it's not my cup of tea. Right. Um, and that's fine. You don't have to. Um, you know, we were talking about the books earlier. I, I, I handed my first book to a guy that's a good friend of mine um, who teaches writing. And he said, I really don't like horror films, but I really like this. Oh, that, that's that's, that's got to be a really good compliment. Yeah. He said, you know, this particular genre yeah. I avoid, you know, he said, but because you're a friend, I thought I'd read it. And he said, and there were a couple of places I stopped down and was just like, oh, gosh, that must have really yeah. hurt to write. Um, that's really a sad you know, moment. Yeah. Okay, good. You know, I managed, even though you know me, to suspend yeah. your disbelief well enough that you could um, enjoy the story. Uh, even though it's not your genre, right? That's, that's a nice yeah. you know, thing to do. And I and I hope you know when people would uh, when they were putting my book in uh, Amazon and and some of the other places, yeah. they were talking about category. And <laughs> I said, "Would you call this a horror book?" And I'm like, "Horror? That's okay. You got to define horror for me." So broad like, well, sometimes. Yeah, right? they're like, "Well, is it, you mean psychological thriller?" I'm like, "That's not." Hmm. it's not entirely that either, you know? Yeah. And so 
uh, looking at that, when somebody says, is your book a horror book? It's like, well, if you want to compare it to Terrifier, no. no. Um, if you want to compare it to, you know, The Shining, maybe closer, you know, to that element. Along but those lines. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of lingering on gore. You know, right, kind of where I would say it's like I've always yeah. said thriller is 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 horror, like yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is it a supernatural thriller? Well, if I told you that, then I might be giving something away. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it has yeah. elements of that, yeah. yeah. So when you know when you try start throwing down you know genres and stuff like that, it can be tough. You know, because I yes. know people who would say, "Oh, I could never watch Return of Living Dead too. It's too much." You know, I don't like zombie movies. I'm like. Eh, you know, I don't. You'll be laughing more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. watched Bullet Train the other night, and somebody had told me, "Oh, Bullet Train is so violent." I'm like, "Yeah, so is a Bugs Bunny cartoon," and yeah. In, yeah. in the very same way, <laughs> right? And there is no lingering on, you know, Bugs Bunny shoots a guy in the face with a, a shotgun and doesn't die. I didn't think he was going to die. Yeah, but you're not yeah. watching Safe and but, Private Ryan. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, something like that. So there's a certain level of expectation uh, when you put something in a genre or you start categorizing. It's like, oh, please don't categorize it that much, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't want you, I don't want to shy away from a particular title. But then I don't want to have you say, well, I don't like horror, so I wouldn't like your book. Um, yeah. When people said they wanted to read my book, I said, how do you feel about horror films or horror books? Oh, I, I hate those. Yeah, then don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's got enough of what you would consider a horror that I wouldn't, you wouldn't enjoy it, and I don't want you to review it if you're going to hate it yeah. from page one. And I don't want you to be yeah. nice either. It's like just, yeah. Just for, and if somebody yeah. says, oh, I love horror films and I love horror books, well, then I hope you'll enjoy this. But be honest, you know. So yeah. uh, it, it's much nicer to have somebody who isn't going to, you know, be uh, negative from the, you know, from the, from the get-go. You know, yeah. um, even my friend that did it, since he's a writing teacher, he thought he was looking at it as a uh, more as a project. I'm going to be helping yeah. grade something for uh, for a colleague, you know, more than he was going to be affected by the story. And the fact that he was yeah. affected by the story is a huge compliment because he wasn't going in with that. He was going yeah. in there to, you know, cross T's and you know put commas in where they belong. Yeah. And, and that sort of stuff. And the fact that he got lost in the story and stopped doing that after about page five says that I created a character that um, and I created an environment yeah. and a world that uh, he wasn't expecting. And that's mm -hmm. you know, that's the really cool yeah. compliment. When you, I've had people see some of my films and or see me in a theater thing and said, you know, in the beginning, I I I was kind of thrown by the fact that it was you, but I kind of. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. That's so cool. Because when you know, when you know somebody, <laughs> acting. Yeah, yeah. When you know somebody, it is hard to kind of. Like I, I've yeah. said uh, before, I, it's tough for me to watch movies that my friends are in because I'm looking for their part. Yeah. And um, yeah. I know them. So any, any chance of, uh, of being, uh, sus sustaining my disbelief or, you know, whatever. Sort of yeah. Taking them seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, but if it happens, it happens, you know, um, mm. sometimes I'll look at the credits afterward and go, oh, my gosh, I know that guy. And it's mm. great that I didn't notice it in the making of the film or in the yeah. watching of the film. I, I didn't notice till the credits. Good. That means uh, they were unobtrusive enough that I, you know, 
wholly invested in the in the story and the characters. And that the sounds outcome. like a fun game between yeah. like people in like the stunt community. Just like a game to see. I wonder if I could spot any of my friends up in here. Yeah. Oh, and you can't yeah. help it. Yeah, you really can't help it. I mean, now that I'm older and most of my friends are out of the business, um, I'll still look at the credits to see if I know anybody. And a lot of times you say, oh, I know their kid. I mean, that's, you know, that's just mm-hmm. kid. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, a lot um, of them follow in the same footsteps. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very interesting thing about the stunt community. Um, it's very family driven. Um, uh, back in the day, there were the, the Epper family. If you watch anything 1970 to probably 2000, you're going to find the last name of Epper in there because mom was a stunt person, dad mm. was a stunt person, all the kids were stunt people, um, uh, the Osadis and some other. There, you know, it was kind yeah. of a family business because, uh, like my my friend Jeff Haberstad, uh, his kids got into doing stunts. He actually even had his wife do a stunt on a show. Yeah. She was not really a stunt person, but she mad. It was a reasonably easy stunt. She was pretty athletic. But uh, a lot of times it's because you raise a kid like a stunt person. Yeah. Jeff's kids were doing 40 foot high falls by the time they were 10, you what? know, and he's a motorcycle rider and a, a hot air balloonist and a parachutist and, you know, all of these things. And that was just, you know, daredevil skier, snowboarder, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's the, he took those activities and they would, you know, the kids would do them with him because that's what they did. We're going to go. Mm-hmm. Black Diamond skiing today. You know, kid's three years old. He should learn how to you know, do a Black Diamond by now. <laughs> um, and so yeah. your kids were raised with a certain level of athleticism and risk-taking in their fun. You know, right. You wouldn't force them into it. It was just they'd be kind of like, oh, that's, this is just the way we, this is fun for us. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so the family element of it. Plus, it's also a nice industry to be in. It's much easier uh uh, if you're to you know know that your kids are going to do well if you hire them for a few jobs and start their career, uh, yeah. it's very hard Give to get into the tips and the tips of the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a very uh, it's a tough business to get into because you don't want to hire people to work with you you don't like because who wants to work with people they don't like? Yeah. So unless that yeah. person has a skill that no one else in the world has, um, you're going to work with people you know and care about. And so I would say back in the day there were maybe 300 working stunt people is all in the whole industry. Mm-hmm. And be a lot of fringer uh, people who worked yeah. a day here, a day there, but the majority of the work was all done by a very small group of two to three hundred people at most. That's so interesting. In that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being that family was a very, you know, that's a that's a feather in your cap right there. You know, so yeah. People say, wait, so you, how many films did you do? Oh, yeah, so Twenty, thirty films, and TV shows too. Yeah, it's like, well, so you were really in. Yeah. Go, but you look back it's on it. Go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's almost a realization when you you know you, when you get to a certain point, you're like, wait, have I made it? I don't feel like I've made it. <laughs> I still you feel know, like me. <laughs> you sort of made yeah. it. Yeah, you know, you made it to a certain extent. So when people will talk about, well, how often did you work? And I'd say, you know, I worked a couple times a month. And like, oh, is that all? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know guys who worked once every couple of years. You know, so. <laughs> couple of times a month looked really strong to them. And I know mm-hmm. other people who were working, you know, every week. Um, but if that's very, very small, small sums. Yeah. That's unicorns, you know, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, because in order to work all the time, you have to be the stunt coordinator or a good friend of the stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. Like if you were working on, the, you know, the show The Dukes of Hazard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, and them old Duke boys. Them Duke boys. Yeah. Now, the guys who worked on that show, there were stunts every week. Every yeah. week they were going to jump that car. They were going to, you know, they were going to do something. Right. So if you were on a show like that, you could work every week. But yeah. um, they would, you'd have to be doubling, you know, two of the primary characters in order for that to be true. Yeah. And you'd have to have a good range of skills. You couldn't just be a car guy. You'd also have to be uh, a fighter. You don't, might have to do motorcycles. You might have pyrotechnic to do stuff for yeah, yeah, do burns or whatever. And so um, those are, you know, again, very few and far between jobs or, or uh, stunt people because you know, there's just not work every week for most film uh, people. You know, you do a film, nine weeks go by, that film's over. So you're back out on the street you know, looking for something else to do. And I know guys who work months at a time, you know, um, which is crazy. There's a, a guy named Larry Nichols. Larry Nichols was uh, Macaulay Culkin's stunt double. Okay. A little yeah. tiny guy. You know, um, yeah. Not, uh, not a dwarf, or I hate to use that term if that's the wrong one, but he was, you know, wasn't, he was, his, he was perfectly... Small in stature. Small yeah. in stature. Um, and, and not uh, his, uh, he didn't have like super short arms. He just looked like a very, he was like a small person. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, looked basically at the same height and weight as Macaulay yeah. Culkin. And I didn't even know he was, uh, I didn't know he wasn't the kid at first because I didn't know who <laughs> Macaulay Culkin was. And, yeah. um, but Larry worked on a lot of films and uh, he would be on for the whole run of the show. And, you know, probably a very, very wealthy man living in a very big house in a very good part of town now because he just worked on so many films and he would be on for the whole run of the show. And that means the residuals are bigger. That means everything's yeah. better. And so those, you know, people would say, gosh, that, you know, as a, a stunt guy that's only, you know, maybe four foot five, um, that, uh, what a weird niche. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a weird niche all the way to Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> sure he did quite well. I'm sure he's not yeah. complaining. No, no. Yeah. And even at the time, it was like, you know, I mean, for me, I was in the same boat, just um, not as deep into that boat. I doubled a lot of uh, kids, you know, a lot of 15, 16 year olds. My niche was 14 to 17 year old um, boys and girls. So right. I, I doubled a couple mm. of women because uh, they didn't want they, they some women didn't want to cut their hair. Uh, oh, so you, you know, I, I got you. They'd find a guy that had, you know, I had hair back then. Yeah. Um, they'd find a, a girl that had a you know hairstyle very similar to mine. <laughs> and and I, like uh, Lori Petty was a, a woman I stunt doubled for a little bit. Okay. And so yeah. I got to, I had my little niche. Uh, Larry just had the niche of a lifetime. You know, yeah. Anytime there was, I mean, and those kids would never be allowed to do their own stunts. Never, ever, ever. No. And so Larry would always be. He was number one on a lot of speed dials. <laughs> of, uh, yeah. yeah. Projects yeah. going on. Yeah. And, yeah. And he was, you know, he was a good stuntman. He wasn't, uh, you know, super daredevil, but he didn't need to be. Uh, yeah. Most of the time, the stunts that he, he, did, he just think, happened to be the right height in the right market. Yeah. Exactly that. And me too. You know, I, and I tell people I was not the best stuntman. Um, not by far. Um, I was, uh, I wasn't fearless the way some guys are. And I've always said, I don't think fearless is a good trait in yeah. stunts because fearless people get hurt because they're not trying to eradicate every possible um, opportunity to get hurt. Right. Whereas for me, I'm like, hey, man, if I can put a pad right there, I'm going to put a pad right there. Well, they're not even going to see it. Yeah, well, I ain't falling yeah. on it. I want to keep working. Yeah. 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 I may have to do this stunt five, six times today. And uh, yeah. if you fall on an elbow and that, you know, on concrete, that's going to hurt a lot. And you're going to do yeah. things differently. And 
you know, you don't want to be hurt. So plus you also the other thing, uh, another little kind of back behind the scenes thing is um, as a stunt person, if you did get hurt, you probably wouldn't tell anybody unless you yeah. know, it was obvious. Mm -hmm. um, when we were doing Elvira, we fall through a ceiling and I hit my own knee on my nose because we landed on the ground. Yeah. I, I was looking down my own fault yeah. and my knee got me right back in the face and everybody was like are you okay so oh yeah i just got some dust in my eyes i'm gonna be okay and i go into the bathroom and i'd clearly broken my nose yeah <laughs> it's like shoving some toilet paper up there to get things to stop bleeding yeah try to straighten things out as best i could and the issue behind it was i just didn't want the stunt coordinator to think number one i was so inexperienced that i actually got hurt right that i was so um fragile that i couldn't do it again yeah. Um, and so you don't want them to hold up, you know, production because you can't yeah. do it. And, and probably so, as part of it was also just <laughs> that common guy thing of like, no, nope, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, yeah most guys are that way. I'm, I'm actually yeah. quite the pansy in that way. I'm a physical <laughs> coward. Uh, I'm not ashamed of that at all. I can't draw blood, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I can do it. I give blood all the time, but I can't watch mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, what's the matter? I'm like, I don't like seeing blood leave my body. You know, I think that's natural. It's supposed to be know? in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's better to do it voluntarily. I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like, you know, I don't want to, I know guys who are like, oh yeah, you know, I can hit the ground. Watch this. <laughs> I'm just backflop. And it's like, dude, I wouldn't do that for anything less than $600. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just stupid just to get hurt just for the sake of, you know, proving how tough you are. Yeah. But there were those guys. I mean, I know it's my job to make it look like it hurts, but... <laughs> look, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is supposed yeah. to look like it hurts. Yeah. If it's yeah. actually hurting you, um, shouldn't hurt much. Right. You know, yeah. um, the very first film I did was uh, Christine. Uh, they just oh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was a, I was an extra on it. And I remember watching one of the stunt guys was a football scene, and uh, uh, the character that, the, the, that was being stunt doubled was uh, looking up and he sees this girl that he's just enamored with um, kissing this guy. And as he's doing that, another player from the other football team just cleans him out. Just yeah. he's blindsides him. And it's yeah. brutal. And they had to do it three or four times. And I remember watching that just going, oh my God, he's just got to stand there. And just take the it. Other, yeah, yeah. And the other stunt guy, he had to do his part, you know, and there was just no way around it. And I just thought, oh, what a stupid job. Yeah. <laughs> who would who would ever do that yeah why would any yeah. idiot do that um and then you know as, as you i think about well when i was in you know karate and uh skateboarding and all those things you do all sorts of stuff that other people think you're an idiot for doing even trying yeah i would do stand on something with wheels which just seems pretty crazy yeah, yeah. skateboard that's how it's done um and so yeah one man's you know poison is another man's picnic yeah. um and so, yeah, you, you know, I got into that kind of thing after a while. It was like, yeah, I could do that without getting hurt. Yeah, I could. I could. You know, yeah. and, the, and the bumps and scratches are, you know, chicks dig scars. You know, <laughs> you rationalize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, I just made $8,000. Yeah. That's oh, a really good rationalization. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So why would you do that? Yeah, I can give you 8,000 reasons. <laughs> 8,000 little reasons. <laughs> Count them in front. Yeah. Of you. And residuals yeah. coming in, in the next few months. You know, it just keeps yeah. coming. So, right. yeah, that, and, and at the time, you know, when, when you're 25, 26 years old, you're indestructible, or so you think, yeah. you know, and you don't think about getting hurt, you know, because you feel like until that. one stunt, until the one stunt. That yeah, puts and you, even when yeah. it happens 
even when that did happen, um, I got more, I got hurt more times practicing for stunts than I did actually doing stunts. Mm -hmm. uh, broke my wrist uh, in a spot trampoline uh, mishap. Um, you know, things like that. Just uh, I was uh, practicing doing explosions, and I hit a trampoline, and I didn't make it to the high jump pit that was down a little bit farther, and I had to tuck and roll, and I landed, smashed my own wrist across my own knee. <sighs> bad, bad idea. Yeah. But uh, it's the kind of things that, uh, like I said, if you're an athlete, you know, I mean, even track and field guys, you know, will pull a hamstring, or uh, weightlifters will, you know, have a muscle tear, or a, God forbid, a bone break or something like that. It is part of the sport. That mm -hmm. injuries yeah. are possible, um, even likely, you know, to a certain extent. Um, some people go a whole career without getting hurt, but you know. You expect a certain amount of But that's what you guys are paid to take that risk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people they'd say, Well, why would you know, why would Will Wheaton on Star Trek need a stunt double? It's like because if he gets a scratch on his face, they have to wait till that heals before they yeah. can shoot again. Or at least until they can cover it up uh, effectively. And that's a long time. So if they put a stunt guy there and he gets a little cut on his face, well that was the risk he took and yeah. Good thing that the stuntman did it because now we don't have to hold production until they, until that heals. Right. Um, it's not that they dismiss you and that you're useless and they don't care. It's just that's why you're there. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe you've got a skill that nobody else has. Uh, there was a particular stuntman that I did a, a competed against a lot, who was like a circus performer on a on a bicycle. Could do all yeah. sorts of crazy tricks, and um, yeah, that's they brought him in because he had this ridiculously amazing ability to ride a bike where he could you know do he could ride a, a mountain bike like a unicycle you know, yeah. standing on the you know on the forks you know, no actor could do that so that's why he gets the job because they needed that so sometimes it was about a unique skill you had sometimes it was about a unique look that you had or a height or um, my buddy uh, Lee was very funny he was going bald when he was younger uh, much younger and he was terrified of going bald because he said, oh, nobody's ever going to let me double him if, if I'm bald. Well, mm. then he became Jack Nicholson's double. He was Ed Harris's double. He was John Malkovich's <laughs> yeah. double. Because yeah. nobody else would shave their head. Right. And so he goes, Jesus, if I'd have known, I'd have pulled the damn stuff out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I'd have been working a long time ago if I just, you know, let it happen. So uh, you just never know what your niche is going to be. And he was also a really yeah. good fire. And uh, he did water. Uh, uh, like scuba diving stuff and was safety rated uh, as a scuba, like emergency scuba diver and that sort of stuff. So sometimes you just had to find your niche and yeah. uh, it could either be a skill, looking, you know, looking body type or whatever. Uh, you know, you had to find your little niche there. And, um, but we all, you know, the, the ability to do the work was kind of it's assumed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you yeah. said I'm a stunt man, well, okay, then you can do stunts. Nobody questioned that. You just <laughs> on the set, take your word you for do it. it. Yeah, yeah, they really would, you know, and, and unless it came down to it and you went, I can't do that. It's like, well, what are you, what are you calling yourself a stuntman for if you don't know how to do a fight? What are you doing yeah. a stunt for? You know, if you, if you come in and tell me you can ride a skateboard, then you can't, you know, you'll never work again, you know. Yeah, right. That could happen. Well, I just want to, like, pause right here for a second. We've been on for about, like, two hours. I just want to make sure that oh, we're God, not have we? you. I just want to make sure I'm not keeping you from anything. No, God, I, you know, I, I've, I've done a, a small number of podcasts. Yeah. Like, 
wow, we were going to go 30 minutes and it's been nine hours. Uh, and I was like, God, I talked. So no, I like. Yeah. I was worried yeah. that that uh, I don't want to be the one that like cuts it off, but I'm I'm on a phone with like ten percent battery that's, life. That's okay. I was yeah. just, I, I, I saw I we were at the same. Oh no, yeah. don't no. That's why we love having you on. I was worried that we weren't we, going to have enough to keep yeah. up with your. We love having hearing these stories. That's what, that's why we love yeah, having and you. And feel on. free yeah. to trim this down yeah. if there's any weird cuts. Oh no, all on. two hours. <laughs> no <Yeah>. cuts. <laughs> Anywhere no, cut, know, just I, blame on me. <laughs> I love doing My this issues. stuff. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm doing a. I've got a couple of uh, conventions booked for next year already. I, I got one in February in Ohio, and and people say it must be exhausting. It's like no, it is exactly the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I love being able to tell somebody some tidbit about a film that they didn't know, because they get to enjoy it all over again, because they now know this little tidbit, and they'll go back and watch it and tell their friends, and and um, I never tire of it um because it's fun you know it was always fun it was always my dream to do this sort of stuff and so when somebody else wants to talk about it you get to sort of have that little you know, get to relive it a little bit and if the other person was like oh that sounds so awesome it's like yeah i know it was <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah i never i never tire but to my wife this would be the absolute worst thing. <laughs> He's still talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> Chit chat and storytelling. Oh, that's like dentistry. To yeah. her. But, uh, you know, she would, she likes to just sit alone and be quiet. That recharges her batteries. Yeah. Where for me, being able to talk to new people and tell them about, uh, you know, things that they're interested in and be an authority of some sort to that. Ah, oh, best thing ever. Now you just but, need to, uh, you need to, Next time you're doing conventions, come along the East Coast so I can come and uh, shake your hand. And I am working on yes. that. I, I've actually got one. Um, I'm hoping. I can't uh, say it yet, but um, there's one in, um, I believe it's in Maryland. So not terrible far. But, um, and I've got, I can make a that drive. community in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't know what is going on with Pennsylvania, but there are conventions every weekend year round in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, just a huge community out there. But I, I do want to get to the East Coast. I've got a lot of folks I've met online that go, "Oh, you got to come to the East Coast." I'm like, "I'm worrying. I'm working on it all the time. I promise you." Yeah. I mean, I love to, I love doing the shows just because of this. You know, you you get to meet new people. Their enthusiasm is equal to mine about films. They want to ask questions, and, and when they ask those questions, sometimes they remind you of things that you forgot all about. You're like, oh God, I love that you know that. Oh, that's so much fun, you know. <laughs> and it just, uh, yeah, it just makes it much more fun and uh, exciting, and and uh, it's just a real, uh, it's a kick. Uh, it's a bit of an ego boost, I won't yeah. say it isn't. Yeah. Uh, but you get a chance to really um, to enjoy the films over. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I usually, like, so I go back and watch yeah. them again just so I can remember because people will ask very, especially like the Star Trek stuff. Jesus, how close were you looking? God, how many times have you seen that episode? Yeah, give it a rest. You know, they, they, <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy the fandom there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, the film fandom, uh, the, the horror film fandom is still um, the most dedicated and um, yeah. passionate and... Uh, uh, Group of teddy bears that you'll ever meet, yeah. weirdly. <laughs> yeah. It's a lifestyle. To yeah. see, to so many. I go to... I, I, was, I saw... Uh, I was at three different shows in the same geographic area for three weekends in a row. Yeah. And it was all the same people. They went out and, you know, the same guests were at three different places, but they'd seen yeah. them all three places mm -hmm. because <laughs> you just can't get enough. And they're dressed in full 
you know, predator outfits or uh, Freddy <laughs> outfits or whatever. Yeah. And the artwork and all the different stuff that people come up with. It's just, uh, and they're the nicest people. Yeah. Um, I saw something the other day. Uh, uh, there was a particular cosplay actor that was very, very sick. And the community just put together $10,000 to help pay for his medical expenses. Not, every, very not sweet. everybody knew him. Yeah. You know, yeah. only a handful of the people knew him, but it's like, hey, this is one of our own. Yeah. All right. Who would have thought? You know, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the people were very, very kind, and they very much. They, I think they sort of recognized themselves as being a little bit of the weirdos. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. we're not your normal crowd. And so when they recognize <laughs> somebody else is of that same crowd, they feel a responsibility to them. Part of my <laughs> tribe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's awesome because uh, I, I don't know if I told you the story about how Wes was talking about. I asked him, aren't you afraid of these people? And he said, no. You know, when these people see a horror film, they are living out um, that survivor um, part of their life. Yeah. Not everybody yeah. lives a great life. And sometimes yeah. you're hanging on just like Laurie Strode. Yeah. Or, you know, you're you're. Um, you know, you're the Heather Langenkamp character, and and you're surviving. If they can survive, yeah, even though it's yeah. Freddy, I can make it through. Yeah, at the, at the very end of every horror movie, there's one survivor. It's the person watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that sense of um, living through it's like having a nightmare, and in the morning you wake up and you're like, whoa, that was crazy. And uh, my wife, being a psychologist, she says, you know, a lot of that is your brain blowing off steam. You've got things yeah. in your world that are very scary and your brain is just trying to deal with that stress. And so you live it out through a nightmare. Yeah. And in the morning, even though you may not remember much of any of it, that process, that dealing with that fear yeah. and anxiety happened. You, you lived through it, even in your <laughs> nightmare, you know? And so in the morning you're like, Oh, I'll get through this today. I'll, I gotta go. Yeah. You know, and you and you find a way to deal with it, and you don't even know that your brain actually ran ten thousand scenarios in your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and and so a film is much like that, you know, especially a horror. That's film. a very therapeutic you, way of looking at nightmares. I never thought very of. much, yeah, yeah, very much, because you you watch that film and and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so crazy. But you you got to live through Laurie Strode's you know uh, nightmare yeah. without having to experience it. You know, you got to uh, to to feel it, see it, you know, and enjoy it in a sense. Um, but you didn't you weren't in any real danger. You, know, yeah. you knew you weren't in any real danger. So I think that's a, a really interesting way of looking at it and, and thinking about how, yeah, some people do struggle through life. And some people have had, you know, much darker and much more difficult uh, experiences in their life. And if a horror film is a way of dealing with stress and dealing with um difficulty and and you know certain uh stresses in their life hey man enjoy it you know i got nothing against that whatever it takes to get through your world you know and yeah. do it and, and do it and be happy and and you know if if i, I see the cosplay people i just think they're so much fun um and it used, i used to think they were just creepy as f i couldn't deal with it and yeah. then i realized you know they're just fans yeah and under that Ghostface is a is a realtor, you know, or or a nurse, or somebody yeah. who you know. This is just how they spend their weekends. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not actually thinking of killing somebody. <laughs> just having a little. They fun. just love the movies. Yeah. Yeah, 
And uh, you know, and but I, I, I've had friends go. I would. Most people freak as old. I'm like, yeah, but you know, they own it. They own yeah. that freak <laughs> thing. You know, they they get together with five thousand other of them at a convention on a weekend, and they can fly that weirdo flag and enjoy it, yes. and nobody looks at them funny. You know, they, they go and they find, like you said, they find their tribe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then we can all hang out together, and nobody nobody's judging. You know, there's a great guy out here in L.A. Uh, they call him um, uh, Fred Pool because he was, does a mashup of Freddy Krueger and Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. And yeah. you know what? I mean, it's it's creative. Um, it hurts no one. Yeah. You know, and he's very funny and he's a nice guy. And because uh, I you know had my Nightmare on Elm Street thing, he had to have a picture with me, which was fine. And <laughs> now it's this thing like, oh man, you know, uh, tell me more about you know, working in those films. Yeah. And he's just a fan, you know, and it's a little odd, but that's okay. Nothing wrong with being odd. <laughs> We're all odd. You know, some of us yeah. hate our odd. He doesn't. <laughs> Owns it 100% yeah. and enjoys it every weekend. More power yeah. to you, pal. All good. And I think yeah. that's actually a very perfect note to kind of uh, wrap this episode uh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> let your weirdo flag fly. Absolutely, yeah. you know. Let's life, own it. Life is short, man. I mean, as I get older, I realize all the things in life that I didn't do because I thought it would be embarrassing. Screw that. You know, <laughs> have some fun. You know, life is fleeting. End, in the end, yeah. most people aren't paying attention well enough for you to really be embarrassed. Yeah, you know, for real. Most people are so wrapped up in their own crap. They, they're don't, yeah. they're more worried about their own embarrassment than your embarrassment. I think somebody Go said that. Like, I, fun. I stopped thinking about what people thought of me when I realized how seldom they do. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and somebody we used to have to do this thing in this training I did one time. You'd write down all the people who are stopping you from getting what you want. And this was just be just about the time I was getting into stunts. And I had this list and it was this yellow pad and there were 40 names on there. Mm -hmm. And the person who was talking to us said, by the way, none of those people have any idea they're on this list. Yeah. <laughs> just, they've, got, they've got their own list. And yeah. you're probably on their list, and you couldn't give a rat's ass about them, right? I'm like, yeah. right. For the most part, I'm really just worried about trying to accomplish my own goals. I'm not trying to keep yeah. any. I don't have time to try to yeah. keep someone from their happiness, and I don't dislike anybody enough. Like, well, that's how they feel too. Yeah. So stop looking at your life as there are people out to keep you from achieving, you know, your goals. They're just trying to achieve their own, you know. Uh, they may you may you know bump into people from time to time, but they're not trying to impede your progress. They don't, no. they don't, uh, sadly, they don't care enough about you to, to help you or hurt you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're, just, they're just trying to handle our own little you know fantasies. So yeah, I, I think mm -hmm. the the older I get, the more I just recognize. You know, I've got like so the the book thing. Somebody said to me, "What makes you think you can write a book?" I did. Well, we'll I see. Don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Her, I guess. And somebody said uh, there. There's some talk of uh, some people who were talking about turning my the book one and book two into a movie, a low budget mm -hmm. but a movie. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, you know, can uh, they said, uh, is there a screenplay? And I said, no, but I can do that. Like, well, <laughs> do you think you can write a screenplay? Like, I think I can write a book. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. tell people what I can and can't do. I don't know. Yeah. I prove people wrong. <laughs> I love that. I would say yeah. every major success in my life has come from proving somebody who told me I couldn't do it. Yeah. And it's not always the best motivation, but it sure worked. Nothing yeah. motivates <laughs> like spite. 
So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a, that, <laughs> I am going to steal that line because yeah. it's true. You know, if somebody says you're too short, tell that to Spud, you know, Spud Webb, yeah. five foot six, a guy a half inch shorter than me, dunking the ball on Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah. Go for it, brother. You know, everybody told him he couldn't play professional basketball at five six. And, you know, you proved him wrong. Yeah. Yeah, prove them wrong. I, I love proving people wrong. That's one of my favorite things. And what a wonderful sentiment. And um, I want to. <laughs> yeah. It's all about <laughs> spite yeah. and bitterness. It's all about, it's, yeah, yeah that, that's uh, the final word on this one. Spite and pettiness. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. The, that's the title of the next book. Spite, yeah, spite and pettiness. <laughs> but um, thank you again for taking time. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Taking two yeah, hours out of your day. Yeah, to come and talk to us. Please edit yeah. this. Please edit this. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's two hours of good stuff right here. It's always a good episode when like time will just go by where it goes. Oh crap, two hours! Oh dang, we must have been yeah, really yeah. enjoying the conversation. We, I know we were. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thank yeah. You so much. And uh, if you could say one, one more time, uh, the name of the book is Out of His Mind, and it's going to be dropping when February eighteenth. It'll drop uh, February seventeenth or eighteenth of twenty twenty four. Uh, yeah, out of his mind. It'll be in all the bookstores, or, or I should say, the online bookstores. Uh, it's on uh, Goodreads. Um, the audio version will be on Spotify and uh, Apple and all the other podcast kind of places. And uh, yeah, and, and on Chilling, if you like the Chilling app. And even if you don't, it's still going to be there. Yeah, it's uh, still there, whether you like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, uh, that's on there, and it's uh, it just became released for free. Which is kind of cool. So if you huh. you like a good scary story, and and um, I would say if you can do uh, buy his hand first out of his mind. Out of his mind is a bit of a standalone book in its sense, yeah. but it's certainly richer if you know the first story. Um, yeah. So I would say you know listen to buy his hand first, and then uh, out of his mind. Uh, I think it makes a lot more sense. Somebody actually did uh, read the second one first and said, "Oh, I wish you'd have told me more about what happened to the character of Jill." I'm like, "Oh, I did." Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah those play uh that's a great way and if uh if you happen to be in uh, uh somewhere in ohio <laughs> in uh, february 3rd uh we're gonna be at uh something called monster fest mania Come on, I'll, I'll be selling the books actually at those locations okay Sign. okay and we'll be having the third uh, signed copy of By His Hand, which should coincide with this episode's release date. So, <laughs> so and, uh, by... yeah, and, uh, and if, as soon as uh, the books uh, for um, Out of His Mind are, uh, are handy, I'll send you copies of that. Too. Yeah, and those will go out to somebody that, yeah. in the very next one. So, yeah, much appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once right. again, that's been uh, Chris Thomas. That's me with Broke Rider Dave. And thank you very much, William Perry, for coming on. My pleasure. Mm -hmm. Whew, two hours. And we're out. Yeah. And we're out. <laughs> oh, my God. I did it again. No, I'm, I'm, we oof. did it. We did I'm it. I'm horrified. Yeah. <laughs> that, no. the, the greatest horror is talking too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you had your finger up. I thought it was, it was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pointing at myself. So. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. I was worried that we oh, were yeah. keeping you. I was like, I hope he knows. I hope he doesn't have like a something else that he's got going. On. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I hope he doesn't think yeah. that he's, he's being polite and talking to us. Yeah. No, no, no. And and it's it's funny. Yeah. I have done uh, a handful of other podcasts. And they're like, um, we're gonna have to edit. I'm like, oh God, please, you know, please do. Uh, if any part of it is, you know, just kind of there's a lull in there, please. Yeah. Um, and I found what people have done in the past is if I talk about a particular scene, they'll mm. cut to the clip. And then that makes it easier to cut away and start on another yeah. piece of the conversation oh, right. elsewhere. Yeah. So I don't mind. I would never be 
offended by maybe that. I'll put, I might uh, with once that go like this I might do two uh, just the uncut long version and then an edited version so. yeah <laughs> yeah and tell me when you guys are doing this because one of the advantages um, that I try to offer uh, to people uh, when I do uh, podcasts or any of this stuff is um, because my publisher is in England he's got a following over there and so we uh-huh. end up expanding who gets to listen to the podcast because I directly tell him hey yeah. I did a podcast. I talked a crap load about the book. I would, you know, and he's like, "You talked about the book?" I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, nobody talked about the book." So he loves that, and so he will read, yeah. share it out to his. Um, uh, uh, he's got ten or fifteen thousand uh, followers over in England and across Europe. So it, yeah. it just helps to hopefully expand your audience to people who might not ordinarily, you know. Uh, yeah. Listen, yeah. yeah. Well, that's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah, no, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's good for everybody. You know? Yeah, the plan yeah. is, um, um, when, when is our first, when are we episode one? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, what is it, like January 17th or something? Because this was like going to be, yeah, episode, episode one. two, right? Yeah. Yeah, so probably mid January is when we're going to be dropping this episode. And yeah, we'll mid to late January, yeah. Books away during the month of January. Have you guys ever talked to Brett Wagner? Why does that sound no. familiar? I don't know why He's, that name he, sounds familiar. He calls himself the Lost Leatherface. He was uh, Leatherface in the remake, I think it's 2018 or so, re- uh, remake of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, was it the uh, the sequel that took place like like decades later? No, it was, it was a remake. Oh, it was a remake. Like, uh, the one on Netflix that just came out or... Uh, no, it's been like it was back in the early uh, 2000s, I think. Oh, I know which one um, you're talking about. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, if you guys, he's a good guy and uh, makes a great guest. With, uh, Jessica Biel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys are looking for guests, yeah. he's a good bud. And oh, that'd be great. I was great. talking to Lee about yeah. you guys, uh, Lee Waddell, the original Ghostface. Yeah. Right. Um, but his manager, mm. he's like, you know, you should be charging for that. Mm. Charging for podcasts? Yeah. These people are promoting you. Why would you do? Yeah. Why would you do that to them? And he's like, uh. so. Uh, uh, but he still does them. And uh, so yeah. I, I try to. When people are nice to me, I try to, you know, throw them <laughs> the people that right. might. We're be. willing to take Lee advantage is. as long as you're not charged. <laughs> well, yeah. Lee is Lee is ridiculously popular. Um, yeah, it's funny because we've been friends since we were five years old. Right. So um, <laughs> when I talk about Lee, he's like, he's a douchebag. We've been best friends for thirty or for fifty years. He's nobody special. But that's uh, how friends he, talk. Yep, that sounds yeah. like how friends <laughs> exactly. talk to each other. Yeah, uh, he uh, he's doing these scream reunions right now, where it's yeah. Nev and uh, Skeet and uh, Matt and Jamie and, yeah. and Rose and everything. And right. he just he goes to these conventions and makes crap loads of money, stupid oh, yeah. amounts of money, insane, <sighs> three times what he made on on the movie in one <sighs> week, you know. Um, but uh, I told him, I said, you know, you got to keep doing podcasts because you get asked new questions and yeah. you and then more people who might not know you you know hear you see you mm-hmm. and go oh gosh I, he's going to be at monster mania or he's going to yeah. be at you know whatever and he's at conventions almost every weekend um yeah. and so i told him i said no you should, you should keep doing this i said don't charge people because then you know then it's i don't know i mean it's like if, if the people at funko pop they have a huge uh, yeah. excuse me, podcast. I said, if they called, yeah. would you charge? He goes, well, no. I'm like, well, then what's the difference? Yeah. He's like, well, they're a bigger name. It's like, then they have the money. 
Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, and I find that some of the folks uh, that I've done podcasts with, there's a place called the Spear Talk Podcast, yeah. and he's all about inspirational kind of content. Yeah. And so he said, I'd like to talk to you about how you became a stuntman, because that's one of those odd careers that it seems like you, you know, that almost nobody succeeds at. Yeah. Okay. And so we, we had a very nice, and he's got 17,000 followers. And uh, he started a book club and people bought a bunch of my books. And I <laughs> said, if I, if, if he had, if he had to pay me, he wouldn't have. Yeah. Know? But as it turns out, I'm part of his book club and we just sold a shitload of books, which makes me a few bucks. It paid for itself, and I'm exposed to a whole new audience of people who would ever, who would never know who I was or care, you know. But now they're like, you know, you've had a really rich and satisfying life. I'm like, I know, right? Um, <laughs> so you know, it was it was a really good thing. So I, I I said I know Brett does them, and I I know Lee would do one. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are looking for guests, Lee's a great. Uh, just the way that Ghostface yeah. playing Ghostface changed his world, right yeah. now. All of a sudden, uh, he did, and he did Scream too as well. Yeah, he did a bunch of Wes Craven stuff. He did Shocker and uh, some other shows. Uh, he was actually um, he didn't he wasn't in the film itself. He didn't do stunts, but he was part of the fire crew for uh, uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street uh, with Tony Caesar, who's a buddy of yeah. ours as well. And so he's got you know some great stories. Really good guy, you know, uh, very enthusiastic, very pleasant to talk to, um, and so. You guys, you know, if you want me to throw you, if you, you know, throw you guys out to him, he's a good guy, and I think he'd be a yeah. good because of how he's, you know, he's very. <laughs> we appreciate that, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. would be very much appreciated. Yeah, he was also, uh, if you ever see Jurassic Park: The Lost World, right. he's the guy that gets torn in half by the two tyrannosaurs. Oh, that's him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the most gnarly stunt stories. Um, he was supposed to come to my wedding the weekend. He was my yeah. best man. And uh, he showed up, and he's limping horribly. And I said, man, what's going on? And he shows me his leg. The dinosaur basically grabbed him by the leg and ragdolled him really bad. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, dude. And he's like, no, I got to go back. Uh, the minute the wedding was over, he got back on a plane and flew back to Hawaii to do it. Oh, and you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, what a story. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. what happened to you? Oh, I got torn in half by two tyrannosaurs. That movie would be the only movie that I play at my house uh, if I had that scene and that story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, he's the guy that killed Drew in the opening, uh, yeah. the opening oh. scream. So it's such an iconic scene. Iconic, yeah. Iconic uh, horror film scene, you know, in the past 30, 40 years. You know, yeah. if you talk about what, what would you say was the most impactful opening scene, not even just of the horror genre, but oh. Uh, the opening of Scream. I mean, it changed yeah. the rules. You know, you can kill yeah. off the biggest star in the whole film in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You're not going to do that. Nobody'd let you. The the studios would would shut you down. Worked <laughs> out just fine. Yeah. And, uh, I wonder what Drew thought of that when she read it. It was like I wonder if she loved it. <laughs> I think she, she did love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen an interview where she talked about how much she loved that. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, one of the things they were. Uh, they were talking about when uh, he was working with Drew. Drew's very much an animal rights uh, uh, person, and they were trying to talk to her about what was, how they were going to get her in that yeah. horror mindset. And uh, she had talked about how the most uh, awful thing she'd ever heard of was some boys uh, poured uh, gasoline on a dog oh. and lit on fire. And so Wes asked her, is it okay if I use that uh, with you? And she's like, 
And so right as uh, Lee is about to come through the window, you know, he's like, Drew, they're putting gasoline on the dog. Drew, they're lighting a match. Oh, and she just fell apart. Yeah. Bingo! You're in yeah. exactly yeah. the place yeah. we need you to be for this film. Sorry, but we did. And, but you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which actually I, I found on YouTube, and there's a scene where Lee's chasing her. He's just stabbed her. He's just thrown her to the ground, and she lands on this kind of thin uh, uh, high-jump pit, and then she jumps up and does a dismount. <laughs> and so she was able to yeah. go from you know, abject horror to Mary Lou Retton, you know, doing her dismount in three seconds, you know. So she clearly was having fun with it, even though she had to go to a very uh, upsetting place as an actress, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, and J- uh, Jada Pinkett is the, in Scream 2, was played right. yeah. by another friend of mine, a guy named yeah. Alan Robinson. Yeah. And uh, she talked about it too, about how, oh, being the opening kill in a Scream thing, it says that you've made it because you're the big yeah. star they're going to kill. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't just kill anybody in the opening scene of Scream. They have to kill somebody important. You know, somebody that way we can tell do. everybody anything goes. Yeah. 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 That's one of my favorite things about that film is it just said, you may think you understand horror films, but you don't. No. Not anymore. We're going to take all no. the good, all the stuff that you know, and we're going to turn it all out and say, and you have no idea what's going to happen. Don't think you understand what's happening here because you don't. And that, to me, that's what makes a horror film horrible you know, or horror filled. <laughs> horrible. Yeah. If you see, if you know it's coming, then you're like, all right, let's see. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Have him in the eye, you know, put the, yeah. put the knife through his head. Let's go. Let's see it. And that, to me, is boring. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys go and I'm going to go get back to whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Work on the sequel. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, no. Unless you guys want to do baseball stories, yeah. I, I won't have anything new to talk about. Well, yeah, next time come on, we'll talk about Field of Dreams next time you're on. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate right, thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Be good. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Body Bag Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a comment as to what you'd like to hear us review or any horror movie topics you'd like to hear us rant and rave about. And while you're at it, you can find us on Twitter at Body Bag Pod and on Instagram at Body Bag Podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.